Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Friday. Woohoo! Friday. And uh, is it going to be sunny? I hope so today. It's the 18th of March. Yesterday, the world turned green. It was all wonderful and it was lovely and, and it was nice weather. Just a bit chilly out there. This morning, uh, no such chill in the air because we've got some great stories for you. Jamie Oliver and the winning for sugar just happened, he said on the news, to be passing uh, the square. Funny that, isn't it? I don't think that's his route at all. But nevertheless, that's what he says. So that's what we have to agree with. But uh, then he's, he's sort of saying, let's take sugar out of all the drinks and yet in, in Australia and America he's promoting sugar like there's no tomorrow it's so hypocritical it really is of course the other means that he's being paid for it uh, the Nefertiti stories come back again and eating loudly keeps you slim I'm going to eat very loudly on the programme this morning I've decided thank you uh, incidentally for yesterday thank you it was very very nice uh, my friend Chris was very nice to me as well but then he's always very nice to me and uh, I think people do it out of sympathy. They listen to the programme and they go, I think we're, I think we have to be sympathetic to him. You never know how long he's going to go for. Uh, the rate we're going at the moment, probably quite a long time. Uh, the trainers that lace themselves, surprise, surprise, Prince Andrew's not going to face any charges about crashing through the gate. But of course he wouldn't. What do you think? We're going to put him up in Crown Court. We're all going to go, no, guilty. <laughs> guilty of crimes against people, full stop. Uh, where did the fireball come from last night? I missed it, but apparently it went over Surrey which I'm sort of fairly near, so I would have seen it. The killer in America to face the second execution. They couldn't actually, on the first one, uh, get the um, the liquids to execute him, so they had to postpone it. They tried, I think, like 15 times, and uh, then they sort of put him back in his cell and said they're going to execute him again. And he's now got lawyers. Because in America, you can find lawyers who, who will protect child murderers. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's that desperately bad. And so they said, no, it's inhumane to kill him. And they're going, I don't think so. I don't think so. Just because we couldn't do it first time. And it wasn't as if they'd actually put any of the uh, the stuff into his veins. So that's why they think it's justified to actually do it a second time. So they're going to. Wayne Rooney proved just what an absolute thicko he is when he tweeted uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day, but he used the Ivory Coast flag. Easy mistake, Wayne, isn't it, when you're not the brightest penny in the box? Um... Prince William puts on another fancy dress uniform to hand out shamrocks because the wife couldn't be bothered. Basically wanted to go back to see the kids. So they went, oh, can you do it? And so there he is. So funny. Lovely picture of Prince William standing next to somebody wearing a bearskin, which comes from a dead bear. And I thought he was protecting animals. He didn't say anything. He's got a big smile on his face. So obviously it's all just a bit of a joke. It's all just a bit of a sham. It's all just something that's been made up, isn't it? Just to make us go, oh, right, so he really cares about animals. To you all. Don't be silly, of course he doesn't. The family go out hunting, shooting and fishing, and they all do it. They've all been out there and all done it, and uh, and that's what they do. They do it on Sandringham, they do it all over the place. They go and shoot their stags, and they do all kinds of things. So all this baloney when they come up with, oh, we've got to save animals, and all this, oh, shut up. It's so patronising. So patronising. I don't want to be patronised by somebody I don't even know. I don't mind if it's somebody I know. I, I, I don't mind being patronised then. But uh, then Prince Harry, the worst day was when I came out. I mean, that's why I set up my, my games. He's gone off to do another free... Sorry, he's gone off to do another charity event um, before he props up another bar, I suppose, because that's called work in the royal family now. You do a couple of charity events a month and that's it. Publicise it hugely. And, and we all go, oh, right, so he's really working hard. And then, what was it Prince William said the other day? Nobody understands what's expected of princes. 
it's a bit Dark Ages stuff, isn't it, really? I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love the royal family. I'm a big fan of the Queen and Prince Philip and, uh, and people like that. I'm not a fan of the minor royals because they're a bit of a letdown, a bit of a disaster. You know, can't keep their relationships together. And then you've got poor old Harry who traips around who can't find any relationship at all. Really? can't find her. I mean, you'd think by now he'd have actually found somebody to turn up with at his age. They can go, look, Harry's got a girlfriend, as opposed to Harry's got a bit of fluff that he's sort of dragged around with him and then back to the old apartment, a bit of the how's your father. Let's go to uh, Las Vegas. Let's take all our clothes off. That's probably a bit racy-pacy for the royal family, I should imagine. Although I'm led to believe they were doing it years and years ago. You know, or they didn't like the wife. They just beheaded them. Made it so much easier. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. K, the Nefertiti story has come back again. Or Rubber Titi, as it was in one of the Carry On films. Rubber Titi! You remember when Kenneth Williams did that crying tonight. But uh, the Nefertiti story is they reckon behind Tutankhamun's tomb is uh, a secret door, you know, like secret door, like, you know, famous five. And uh, behind that lies the tomb and the burial place, they say, of Nefertiti. Uh, you know, thought by now, I read this story out weeks ago. I don't know why it's just resurfaced again. Perhaps they've opened the door and found nothing. Would be nice to think that they did find it. I mean, I like stories like that. I like a bit of excitement. The fact that you, you open up somebody's grave, we, we drag him out, unwrap him, photograph him, and then literally dissect his tomb. I hope to God they don't do that to me when I'm dead. I shall come back and haunt them. I shall haunt Yvette Fielding to start with, and that woman from The One Show. I've decided. They've now all started on television swapping sides, haven't they? So before it was men on the left, women on the right. Now they've started swapping round as if it makes any difference. Makes no difference at all. I mean, in this studio, the producer sits on the right because he's, he's got to drive the desk. And the assistant, generally a girl, sits on the other side and answers the phones like, hello, you know, because the phones aren't on the other side. So that's the way. So in fact, if you looked at it here, you probably think it was terribly sexist. The fact that somebody driving the programme sits on the right-hand side, but the left-hand side is the person who's the, who's the programme assistant. I haven't quite worked out why I have an assistant on this programme. I don't, there must be some general reason for it. Perhaps it's a hangover from, from days long gone by. Unlike the BBC that managed to end up with about ten people working on a programme. What in God's name they do? I've got no idea. No idea. Uh, plus today, the, uh, the beggar gang, Gloucester I think they are, £43,000 a year each. Each, and as the police have pointed out, there's eight of them, they're not homeless. You know, you should never, ever give to people sitting by a cash point, anybody with a dog, anybody like that. You know, if, if you go up to them and ask them, apparently, this is what the advice is from the police and the charities, and ask if they'd like something to eat. Do not give them money. Do not give them money. And after a while, they're not going to want anything to eat, are they? I mean, how many burgers can you eat, for God's sake? Loads of them hanging around by, by McDonald's. They sort of sit there on the pavement. You know that they've got drink problems. They've got bottles of booze all around them. They're not there just collecting the empties to get money back, are they? They're actually there because they drink alcohol. But the police have said, do not give money to people begging on the street. And if you find somebody begging, report them to the police. Because they can then put them in the, in the right you know, uh, way of one of the charities who helps people like that. But it's illegal to beg on the streets for money. It's illegal to ask for money. Totally illegal. It's called begging. It's the Vagrancy Act. And uh, these, these people can be taken off the streets and put in contact with a charity that can help them. But, of course, they want money. They're either feeding a drugs habit or a drink habit or both. 90% of people on the streets have a place to stay. They are not homeless. And if they are, they're intentionally homeless.
84850steve.lbc.co.uk. Oh, there's also the story, and you can kind of understand it, but at the same time you think it's a little bit mean, of a pub quiz team. They're three elderly gentlemen. They're obviously very bright. Is it Nefertiti? what she used to be like on the uh, on eggheads i used to love watching daphne she was so mad the one who didn't go anywhere because his personality was so boring was uh, sijemui sijemui quite quite butch on the program and he also knows loads of other stuff there's a couple of dreary people on there who to be honest with you i've discovered the more intelligent these people are on these quiz shows the more boring they are CJ Amui, they, they decided, could be uh, hosting his own program so they tried it it was such a disaster was such it really it was an embarrassment you know if you you, you do get people and I, I can highlight this myself you can have somebody who's very very good as, as what they say is a contributor somebody who's very good as a contributor very good as an expert or whatever but doesn't mean to say that they can present a program it doesn't mean to say you know some people are excellent contributors and I've seen it in the past where they've gone oh right you can okay we'll we give you a program and they've just floundered because it's not that easy there is a bit of an art to it so they tell me uh, Madonna couldn't really be bothered the other day at Brisbane it was basically I'll do what I want to do so you stand there waiting you bought a ticket for the concert you're inside and the start time goes by which I think was supposedly about nine o'clock she didn't bother at nine o'clock, quarter past nine. She really couldn't give us stuff. Half past nine, not bothered at all. Quarter to ten, still hadn't bothered turning up. I wouldn't mind, she was actually there. It's just that she was doing her sort of, I'll turn up when I want to turn up. I'm sorry, would you like to go on stage, darling? People have paid for you. So it gets to uh, to ten o'clock, couldn't be bothered at ten. Quarter past ten, couldn't be bothered. Half past ten, she still hadn't shown. At, uh, by the time it got to quarter to eleven... Uh, hundreds of people were streaming out, getting their money back from the box office. I'm sorry. You know, the woman's a lazy little so-and-so. And if you say a show starts at nine o'clock and then she comes on stage, I think at about 11.15 and makes a joke about it. Oh, you shouldn't have got it so early. I'm sorry, darling. If the show says you start at nine, at least try and be a professional. We know you've got real problems in your life. Now we understand why your son doesn't want to be anywhere near you. Imagine, Mum, can we go now? I'm not ready yet. We have to wait a bit. Mum, I want to go now. I'll be ready in a couple of hours. You can imagine it would drive you to distraction. It's like once I've had a shower in the morning, I want to get out. I don't want to sit there. Then what's the point? You've got nothing to do. You sit there staring at the television. Very boring. So you have the shower and then you get out like most people do. In Madonna's case, you know, they'll wait for me because I'm the queen of pop. Nope, you're a lazy, good-for-nothing old baggage who can't even be professional enough to turn up. It's shameful. Shameful. I'll tell you who else used to be like that. Elizabeth Taylor. Hours late. Hours late. Also, that ghastly model from Streatham, Naomi Thingamajig. She's another one, you know, prone for turning up late and having little tantrums. Who are these people? It's so unprofessional. Madonna, unprofessional. You know, what, what time does the show start? Nine. What time do you get there? 11.15. Well, don't bother going, dear. It's, it's just some old bag recycling a few old hits from years ago. Who cares? Um... So, oh yes, I didn't get round to the pub quiz champs, did I? Yeah, the, the reason they've been barred from the pub is because they keep winning. They've so far won 2,000 quid out of this pub and the landlord's now banned them. Now, he is quite within his rights to ban somebody who's that clever, but I thought the whole idea was that you're looking for somebody who can then beat... The, it's like the eggheads. They sell a quiz show on the television based on the fact that the eggheads know everything and the peasants sitting opposite don't know diddly squat. And that's how it works. So this, this pub tip, they should go on eggheads. They'd sweep the board. Because they're obviously very clever. 
And so they, they went there and they've now been banned. And they're not happy about it. And I can well imagine, I wouldn't be very happy if I'd, you know, been a, a very successful quizzer. And then you go somewhere and you start, you know, sort of getting money and things like that. And then somebody goes, no, you're a bit too clever. It's like in, in my local pub, my local pub, from years ago, I haven't had a local pub for ages. They have a quiz machine. And the people who used to play it were students, because students, you know, they have a misspent youth. They spend most of their time high as kites on drugs. And, and so when you're on drugs, they sort of absorb knowledge. And so they knew the answers to so many things. And so eventually quiz machines vanished. You can hardly go in a pub now and find a quiz machine anywhere. Because it was played by students, because they get together a group of about six or seven of them just to make a few hundred quid, which pays for their booze for the night. Uh, what else we got today? Oh, we got the um, the speed trap. This was uh, this was for speeding cars. How many cars in a week? Twenty five thousand. Twenty five. I think the speed limit was thirty miles an hour, and most people were doing sixty. So they snared twenty five thousand cars when they first put one in the speed camera. It was off the uh, M four coming up onto the elevated section. Uh, down here in London on the Chiswick flyover. You come in off the uh, the M4, and then you sort of go up a, a sort of an incline, and then that takes you round and over Chiswick roundabout, if you know the area. If you don't know the area, if you're out of town, this means nothing to you at all. But when they put the speed camera there, it went down from 70 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour. Well, I mean, nobody was doing it. So in the first week, the speed camera, which in those days used to have film in it, ran out of film in about half an hour, because everybody was speeding. But remember, £100 fine, three penalty points. I just think... You know, I should warn you now, just in case you're one of these people who thinks I can beat the speed cameras. You can't. And it's got the record of you. So you've got to, you've got to look on the road to see the markings to realise that at some point you're going to get nicked. I put my hands up. I have actually speeded on the motorway. I have actually speeded. bit difficult in my car not to. Uh, right, what have we got? we got uh, oh, a bit after quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. The Merrill Debate. Tuesday morning from nine on LBC. Can't wait for that one. Can't wait for that one. That's on Tuesday on LBC. This morning with uh, Nick as a motorcyclist becomes the second person to be killed on Britain's most dangerous roundabout. How successful has a £25 million scheme designed to cut accidents been? Obviously not very. US presidential hopeful Donald Trump is one of the top ten risks facing the planet and is a threat to the safety of the entire world, according to a new report. But how dangerous is he? And most Jews can't trust Labour. According to the voice of British Jewry, other left anti-Semitic. That's uh, with Nick and the team this morning. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Sarah Jane Mee, the Sky News and Sky sports presenter. I know one of the mayoral candidates. I know one of the mayoral candidates. And not just, I don't know them through LBC. I know one of the mayoral candidates from a long time ago. I know loads of stories about this mayoral candidate. I mean, I really know loads of stories. I was amazed when I saw the name. I thought... What? I know loads of stories. I really know loads of stories. I was so surprised, actually. I thought it's unusual, actually, because, you know, you, we all know Boris and, and you know everybody else. And but, Well, I'm not that he's a mayoral candidate, but you do know these people after a while. This, this particular one, oh, God, I could tell you all sorts of stories. Oh, goodness sake, honestly. It'll be so exciting. Be like, yes, oh, I was, I was going to mention uh, the fact that uh, this morning we do have a couple of clips 
from our In Conversation for this weekend. And uh, one of them is uh, is a lovely lady. She, her, her name is Faye Weldon. She's an author. If you're over a certain age, you will know Faye Weldon. She's been around for a long time. She's in her 88th or 89th year at the moment. So she came to see us the other day. She got a new book out. And then there's a follow-up. And then she's got a play out uh, as well, which is at the Tabard Theatre. So we'll be talking about that. We'll have a clip from that this morning. And the other news that came in the other day is that Paul Daniels died. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, unexpected. It was something that we did expect. He'd gone home. Uh, Debbie's given interviews to uh, lots of people. She said he didn't know that he was dying. You see, that's what people say. He spent most of his time in the garden, either watching quiz shows, perhaps they had a television in the garden, and eating magnums. Great advert for magnum, isn't it? And so, but for the last 48 hours, he was, uh, he was sleeping, and so she was there with him when he, uh, when he finally breathed his last. And there's pages and pages in the newspapers I mean, there's so many bits and they've said, oh, this is one of his better tricks and this is the thing. I, I got phoned up yesterday by Nick Ferrari's programme to do a little bit uh, on him, being a member of the Inner Magic Circle. And, um, and then Sky News phoned me as well, but I didn't do Sky News because I got bogged down with something else. But uh, every time Paul went to the Magic Circle, and he did try to stand for president, but he didn't get in, uh, people crowded round him because he was, he was just very enthusiastic. A lot of people who go to the Magic Circle... Uh, are very enthusiastic about about magic, and you know that I do a show there every Christmas, which we open up to uh, to you. So you can go and visit the Magic Circle, and then you can go and um, and uh, and see some nice close up magic and a stage show as well. So we do that every year, and uh, every year it sells out because every year it's very popular. We've had everybody, everybody working there except Paul Daniels. But uh, I interviewed Paul a little while ago for In Conversation. He came in and we talk about magic and how he got into it and the history of it and everything else. And so uh, I said to the producer the other day, I said, if Paul dies this week, and I had a sneaking feeling that it was going to be this week that he died, I thought, what would be nicer than a tribute to him than to play the interview back? So that's what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to replay the interview with Paul Daniels as, uh, as a tribute. So it will seem rather bizarre. How many years ago was it? Was it really five? Dear God in heaven. Five years ago? Blimey. Even I must have lost... Five years ago? Is it really? How's that not possible? I'm only 43. Ridiculous. Anyway, so five years ago. So we'll have a chat to uh, Paul. I think he must have been doing his one-man show around. I can't remember exactly what he was in for. I just knew that whenever he came in to talk to me, we always talked about magic and uh, we talked about different different effects and magicians that we liked and magicians we didn't like and, and people like that. Everybody's got favourite magicians. You know, some people like Dynamo. Some people like David Blaine. Not many. Uh, but he makes a lot of money because, you know, sometimes magicians do tell little fibby-poos. They can't help it. They just tell fibby-poos. It's uh, because it's it's to fool you or, in our, or as I call it, telling fibs, uh, you know. But I mean, sometimes when we have the people who come to the Magic Circle shows and you watch some of these close up magicians, people you've probably never heard of, some of them not even I've heard of, either. but they're so brilliant. I mean, they are so, so brilliant. It's, it's so clever to watch. It really is. You can you can be amazed. Absolutely. Amazed. And magicians love performing at the drop of a hat. And Paul Daniels was never without a pack of cards in his pocket. Never without a pack of cards, and he was the man who could travel with a pack of cards. One of the magicians used to have, you know, so-and-so with his 52 friends, and that was the uh, the cards in the pack. But he did lots of uh, illusions. Uh, he was better at, uh, at the close-up tricks, much better at the close-up tricks. He did his bunco booth, and Debbie was there. Uh, she was a ballerina, and she got to be his assistant, and she got her own back on numerous occasions. Last time he was out, I think, was uh, Christmas. He was doing pantomime. 
He did panto, doing all the usual stuff that he liked doing. As he said, though, at the time, he said, people think that we're doing, you know, the magic and the tricks and the fun for them. He said, we're not. He said, we're doing it for us. Doing it for us. And uh, and so he did. So we're going to be playing. A little, we'll have a little clip uh, this morning about 5.30 for you, Paul Daniels. And then this weekend for In Conversation, it will be the tribute to Paul Daniels and Faye Weldon, who has got a new book out. So that's on Sunday morning between 5 and 6, repeated between 9 and 10 at night for those people who cannot get up early. And don't forget, I'm here tomorrow morning as well, between 5 and 7, with the best of Steve Allen. It's the week encapsulated into uh, into two hours. Oh, ja- I forgot to mention Jamie Oliver, sorry, Saint Jamie, uh, who can afford to eat sugar because he's got loads of money coming in. He's having a fifth child. A fifth child now, so obviously still active in the bedroom department, I should imagine. And, uh, well, unless she's learned to do handstands. But anyway, I'm assuming it's, uh, you know, it's, well, you know, some people are, are gymnastic. I myself am a, I'm a former gymnast. You have to be to use some of the disabled toilets I get into. I mean, it is. It's like, it's like a chrome work in there. Barry Humphreys used that first thing. He said, I can't understand it, darlings. He said, I've been into a... I won't do the voice. It's a bit too early for doing impressions. And as you can tell, I've got my Roger Moore voice on at the moment. And, um, and so he, sa- he said, I w- he went into a disabled toilet and he marvelled at what they do in there. He said, what do the disabled... It's like a gymnasium, he said. <laughs> Which, of course, is very funny. And uh, everybody laughed. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, so that was that. Uh, all your texts and emails we shall uh, weave in. Neil says, uh, did you get this yesterday? I did. I got, I got, you know, I got so much yesterday. I mean, even up until one o'clock this morning, there are still texts and emails pouring in. I mean, seriously, even after my friend, um, my friend Chris said to people, you have to tweet Steve Allen. And I got loads of tweets and I got loads of former producers and, uh, and people like that. Uh, who sort of tweeted me and wished me happy birthday, which is lovely, actually. The, the, the advantage of this job is uh, not only that you get paid for it quite well, I think, uh, but, um, but you, you sort of share everything with everybody. And when I say share everything, you do share everything. And it isn't just birthdays, it's marriages, deaths, just about everything you, you share. And if you go through you know, your life and you spend 30-plus <laughs> years uh, in one place, you've kind of been there a lot. So we've had... We've had Weddings in my family. We've had funerals. God knows we've had funerals. And uh, and a few birthdays. And a few birthdays. And we share them with people and it's nice. So, Neil, thank you for that. He says you're a diamond geezer. Actually, I did tweet yesterday. I was going through one of my, going through one of my morbid faces when I said, if it's this good for my birthday, I wonder what the funeral's going to be like. That's going to be quite an outpour. I know, I've got obsessed with it. But actually, funnily enough, I'm not the only one because when I talked to Faye Weldon, we both talked about uh, the end the end of your life, because she's got on her website 1931, and then it's got 20, and then brackets. There you go, look, 20 and two, two question marks. Because she says here, it's two questions. I do speculate a lot, speculate a lot of when it will be filled in. Because you don't know, do you? You have no idea when you're going to go. If there was a book in the studio, would you actually open up the book to see what day you would be going? You see, I'm, I'm torn between that. I'm, half of me wants to look. The other half is thinking, say it says tomorrow. Say it says tomorrow. I mean, I don't want to think about that. And then I think, I don't actually mind going. I don't have a fear of it. Just want to make sure it's while I'm asleep. 
I don't, you know, S-L-E-E-P, as we said to our little doggy when we had it put to S-L-E-E-P. I think the doggy just thought he was going in for a checkup. We had different ideas. And uh, we had a cat put to S-L-E-E-P as well. You have to do it. I wonder if you could have it done to... Well, they're doing it in America, aren't they? It's another one of those executions over there with the uh, with the injection. But I don't know what it's supposed to be like. I've never, uh, never discussed it. Faye Weldon will actually tell us on this interview. She thinks she's died before. She thinks she's died. She thinks she's been to heaven and come back. And so I asked the question, as you would, what's it like? Because I'm hoping there's going to be a McDonald's and a kebab shop up there. Because if there isn't, I'm not really going to bother going. I want to go somewhere where there's a bit of food. And also I want to talk to people. Also, will we have clothes? You know, all these things are very important. Do I need to take a dressing gown? Because, because the thing that they bury you in, is, unless you're going to get buried in your clothes, I'm going to get buried, buried in some of my sparkly jackets, I've decided. But I have had an assurance from the boss that I will get mentioned on the news. How cool is that? How many other people can do that? But would you look in the book if you knew the day that, you know, it was going to be your last one? <laughs> half of me wants to and half of me doesn't want to. Funny, isn't it, really? Strange the things you worry about. But as you get a bit older, you will worry about it. I promise you, they can all take that take the next door. You know, you watch. They'll be doing it. They'll be doing it soon, a few years' time. Australian boy be going, oh, I don't know, should I have another tinny? Or do you think I'm just going to collapse this afternoon? I don't know. Let's have a barbie. Let's chuck a pizza on the barbie. God, he went into apoplexy the other day when I told him there was a barbecue out that he could cook a pizza on. A pizza and a barbecue, mate. Because he liked that. Bit butch. And, uh, and he said, hey, do them in the oven. And I went, yeah, but this is, this is like a pizza oven for outside. And it cooks them. I think it was in something like 90 seconds you can cook a pizza. Well, he was suitably unimpressed. You know, his idea of a barbecue is you drink as many tinnies as you can and then, and, then, and then you have a game. You go into the sitting room, two of you sit down, you drink another two tinnies and two large scotches. One person goes out of the room, knocks on the door and you've got to guess who it is. It's a great game. They play it in Australia all the time. They do it in Neighbours. They do it in Neighbours. I, I watch Neighbours. Oh, I love Neighbours. But I'm more taken by Summer Bay because I want to go and live there. But I'm reliably informed it's blooming freezing. And uh, nipples like organ stops on the beach. I mean, I promise you, it's just, you know, it's, <coughs> that's just the men. Anyway, it's, uh, it's 4.30. It's news time. The latest headline. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. <gasps> Almost. Uh, 27 minutes to five. It's Friday morning. I don't care what anybody says about Friday. I don't care what anybody says about any day of the week, but Friday is, is one of my particular favourites because you think, oh, it's the weekend, I can get the car washed, I could do, I could do anything today, provided the weather's going to be nice, so I'll check on the weather a little bit later on. Don't forget, just, uh, just under the hour, we'll play you a couple of clips from In Conversation. One will be uh, the Paul Daniels interview, five years, I can't believe it's five years ago. I can remember the day he came in, I can tell you the studio I recorded it in. I can tell you everything about it, except what we talked about. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, the quizzes from a St Albans pub, says Noreen. Seems other teams were dropping out as they knew they couldn't win, hence the ban. I haven't watched Eggheads for ages. It 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 my five. She used to go. I don't know why she dropped out. She knew everything. Daphne knew everything. I mean, seriously, there was nothing she didn't know. The blokes were a bit boring. There's one on there. He's got about as much personality as a plank. He's so dull. But uh, she says, hope you had a brilliant day. We did see you on uh, Mr Moyles' show. Yes, it's amazing how many people see me on that programme. And yet here I am every morning. And I'm, I'm, I don't think we actually record in the studio on the cameras. And I've got a camera on me now. I only remembered it the other day. I completely forgot about it. And you have to remember with his studio, he's got about six cameras going around the table. So they've, and I don't know who operates it. There must be somebody in the building who's flipping it, mustn't there? Is that how they work? Every day somebody comes in to drive it. Do they really? Good Lord. 
Oh, does it? Well, it's the same for... Oh, right. Oh, well, there you go. Because I, d- I had no idea. It's only because I kept seeing different lights coming on. And it was out of the corner of my eye. Because it's very annoying to watch yourself on television. I remember sort of watching it. And when you sort of look at yourself on some monitors, you think, oh, God, I look really peculiar because you're at an angle. And uh, I used to do it on Channel 5 a lot. And it, because it became a little bit addictive. At the corner of your eye, you could see yourself and you could see the set, but you couldn't actually see what you looked like. And then I suddenly realised I didn't want to see what I looked like. So we kind of took that one out of the equation, which is good. So uh, I did enjoy it yesterday. I got some nice, uh, some nice presents, which was, uh, which was lovely. Uh, the Nefertiti story, I am interested in, even though, it's, uh, even though it's an old story. I don't think, it's, I don't think anything new has happened at all. Uh, I did like the story that we brought you the other day about the, uh, the doctor who had sex with a hooker. Why are hookers unattractive? I mean, why do they always pick the unattractive? This one, yeah, sticking her fingers up and doing the whole business. I mean, obviously she's not making much money. She can't afford a jacket, poor soul. But she's got fake hair stuck on her head. Uh, her name's uh, Leanne Kennedy. They don't call them hookers, they call them escorts now. Although she wasn't really escorting him at all, she was escorting him into a room to have sex. And uh, anyway, uh, Shay, Shay Pemsel. This is the wife of, um, of Rupert, Wupert. And uh, she says she's going to stick with him. She forgives his porn addiction um, and, and everything else, which I can't go into at this time in the morning. But I mean, she's stick. What is it about women who want to stick with men who cheat? They don't seem to care, do they? Uh, there's also uh, an SAS hero has won a million pounds on the lottery, has shunned a life of luxury to stay on with the elite unit. Of course he has. I mean, you know, how stupid of the papers to think that with a million pounds somebody would give up work. He loves his job. He loves what he's doing. They've said, what could he buy? An armoured vehicle for 900,000. What would he want that for? What, with £100,000 left? They said he could buy balaclavas and night visions and uh, 800 rifles and all that. You know, you think, no, you could put the money in the bank. million pound doesn't go very far nowadays. I mean, it really doesn't. You want to buy, you know, a decent... Fl- Somebody goes, oh, you're a millionaire. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go, uh, so what do you bought with you? You go, well, actually, in my area, an average house is about £600,000. So you're going to buy that, aren't you? You're presumably not going to bother with a mortgage. Only leaves you 400000 left. You can't live on that for the rest of your life, can you? Unless, you're, unless you've set your sights particularly low. Uh, Prince Harry, another droning old interview, revealed he was broken at having to leave active service in 2008. God, it's still affecting him now, even though he's propped up various bars since. He, says, uh, he said he felt he was betraying his men, thinking, I'm an officer, I'm leaving my soldiers. He was pulled out after... Ten weeks when his secret deployment was leaked by the Aussie, an Aussie website. But the sight of injured troops made him think up and dream up, because he's a saint, the Invictus uh, Games. Invictus Games. He says these people are role models and need to be celebrated more. Why didn't somebody ask him what he thought about Top Gear? I wonder why, you know, would that be out of order? Oi, Harry. Harry. Yeah, Harry. Uh, what did you think about the Top Gear stunt by the, uh, by the cenotaph? That would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? I bet you anything, he'd have an advice. Get don't say anything, don't say anything. Get yourself into trouble. Keep it simple. You set up the games. You had to leave your men out there. You felt a bit guilty because you were an officer. Although, frankly, I mean, he's the worst kind of role model, isn't he? Naked shenanigans, Nazi uniforms and propping up bars. Hardly officer material, is it, really? Uh, the beggars are in all the papers today. Uh, 13 now. 120 quid a day. They just sit there. You don't need money. You don't need money. And uh, 90% of them, not homeless. Okay, not homeless. Uh, They've now found two secret chambers in Tutankhamun's tomb, uh, which they say could uh, contain the remains of Queen Nefertiti. Uh, Egypt's antiquities minister said it could be the discovery of the century. Well, get on with it then. 
Don't don't faff around like a girl's blouse. Get on there. Dig it out. Come on. Open one of the doors. You could do it with x-rays and see what's behind the plaster work. That's the trouble, though, isn't it? It's the plaster work. Can we save the plaster work to get to the door? The answer is they, they can. They can do anything nowadays. Just they're working in very cramped conditions. It was very tight inside the tomb. They had to sort of put all this lifting gear in to lift out the sarcophagus. It was, it was quite something. Kelvin McKenzie talks about um, what kind of a fraud is Nona Buckley Irving. Oh, don't you just hate double-barrelled people? They're generally chavs. You know, they sort of put their, their middle name in there. or It's just, just rubbish. Anyway, uh, good for her. How does she square that view? Because she says she's been a feminist and will always be one. So how did she square it the other day with her attendance at a dinner organised by the Islamic Society of the LSE, the London School of Economics? Ms Buckley Irvine apparently, is the university's head of student union, and in that capacity went to the dinner, and what happened? On her arrival, she found the male and female guests were segregated by a seven-foot curtain to stop the diners looking at each other. I presume it's a Muslim thing, says Kelvin. Well, I don't think it's operated... I mean, I've seen lots of families sitting together. You know, men and women. What's the point? Why don't you just have separate dinners, then? What's the point in having them in the same room? What a stupid thing. As a committed feminist... He says, you would have thought she'd walk straight out. Instead, she'd tell afterwards, I barely noticed the separation. It was an environment that felt comfortable and relaxed. Excuse me, he says, while I throw up. Supposing there'd been an LSE dinner of gays and straights with a curtain between them, how mad would Miss Buckley Irvine have gone? As a feminist, does she approve of the manner in which Muslim women are treated around the world? How does she view the burqa, for instance? Does she believe in separation generally? Do tell, Nona. Do tell, love. Come on. Come on. You're supposed to be a feminist. Come on. Open your mouth. Tell us the truth. You thought that was all right, did you? Why don't you just... Why did you go? Why did you go? Feminist? You're not a feminist at all. You're a fraud. A fraud, young lady. Not good enough. Not good enough. Nick Ferrari talked about it yesterday. Uh, another one here. Another one here. Very quick. Let's try and get through as many of these uh, as we can. Um, um, bam, 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 bam. Anna, thank you very much indeed. And uh, for some reason, I always, I always get this one, actually. It's Sam in Chessant. He's, he's a bit thick. He can't help it. He is a bit, he is a bit stupid. No, he's actually not in Chessant. He's in Enfield. Perhaps he's one of these. He's a bit screw-loose. He says, uh, do tell me how much LBC are paying you. I've just sent it to you. Did you get it? I've just sent it to you now. By the way, I've also... I've, unfortunately, you can't reply back to me. I'm sorry, I've just decided to uh, to, <laughs> to block you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no more friends this morning. Or, in fact, any other day. It's always fun doing that. I loved it. Why are some people so thick? Why are some people just so thick? You worry, don't you? You think to yourself, does your mummy know that you're using the computer at this time of the morning? I mean, you know, is your mummy and daddy at home? I had something once. I must tell you this story because it goes to show it's, it's certainly nothing new, all these freaky things. I got, we, I got somebody phoning up one time, long before we did, uh, we did phone-ins, and uh, it, was all, it was all a bit... No, I can't tell you about it, actually. No, because it was a court case. I just realised I can't, even though it had, a, it had a conclusion to it. Anyway, it turned out to be somebody who had an obsession, an obsession with, with the programme, and had... When the police went round, the whole of one room was done up with photos and picked all sorts of things. It was really bizarre. Anyway, luckily it became a court case and uh, the person uh, got a restraining order because you have to do that. And obviously Sam in Enfield is another one of these not in the real world, slightly, slightly left of centre. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jamie's wife needs to do something, says Amanda, while he's getting paid a fortune to tell us all how to live. Have you heard the latest? Have you heard the latest? He's telling women to breastfeed. 
More women should breastfeed. I mean, it's 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 Saint Jamie. I mean, Lord, he's the saviour. He's the saviour of the whole world. But of course, over in Australia, he's promoting sugar like there's no tomorrow, and the papers are not very happy about it because they they think he's uh, he's being a bit uh, a bit off centre on this one, which of course he is. One minute he's telling you what what to do, and then the next minute. He's sort of saying, don't, don't do what I do, do what I say, which is, uh, which is very difficult. I, I don't, don't subscribe to that one at all. And um, I didn't have a Scotch egg, Jim, yesterday. I didn't have a Scotch egg. I had, um, I was going to celebrate with Kentucky Fried Chicken, but I didn't. In fact, you know, for the life of me, I can't remember what I had. What did I have yesterday? I know I went to the, I went to the, Fridge, okay, reenact it, go back to fridge, open door. What did you take out? No idea. I cannot remember what I took out. Isn't that embarrassing? <laughs> it might have been a pie, which it was very nice, whatever it was. Or it might have been something that came with rice. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. That's the advantage of getting older. You don't need to remember these things, do you, anymore? Um, another one here. Yes, also, Steve, Jamie, Oliver, earning a fortune, can afford five children. I know. I know, but of course it's um, it's a little bit a uh, little bit difficult, isn't it? Because Jamie Oliver, Saint Jamie, soon to be canonised, I should imagine, probably given sainthood for uh, for just sort of getting sugar uh, up in price, so all you poor people can't afford it anymore. So, but he doesn't care because his his kids can always afford it. Be interesting to find out, won't it, in years to come, whether or not his kids drink Coca Cola and everything else. Bet your bottom dollar they will be. Bet your bottom dollar because the more you say to kids you can't have it when they're younger, the more they want it when they're older. I've got a couple of cousins, and uh, their uh, mother didn't like them to have sweets. So what did they crave? Sweets. Sweets. The more you say to somebody, you can't have it. My mother did the same with cigarettes. Did the same with cigarettes. Don't, don't have cigarettes, it'll make you ill. So, of course, I wanted to try a cigarette, and it didn't make me ill. I, I wasn't sick, and I didn't cough or anything else. Years later, of course, it came at me with a vengeance, but at the time, it didn't make any difference at all. So, um... I begin to wonder, actually, you know, whether or not Jamie Oliver is just doing it for, for publicity purposes and, uh, and doing it because, you know, he thinks, you know, he's jumping up and down and getting all the coverage. It's, uh, it's a case of, but, um, you know, I'm sure that it's, it's really laudable actually telling us not to have too much sugar in drinks, but it's got nothing to do with the sugar in drinks. I mean, it really hasn't. So people will go out, just seriously think that the kebab shops... And the Kentucky Fried Chickens and all the other places are going to start selling low-fat Coke. Of course they're not. They're going to be selling... You're going to go in there, aren't you, to get your Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, or you're going to get your pizza and it comes with a bottle of fat Coke. The fact that it's cost you a bit more money just means they'll put less ingredients on the pizza. You're paying for it. But, of course, it doesn't matter to Jamie Oliver because he's minted. He can afford to eat as much sugar as he likes. And he can afford to, you know, give the kids, you know, whatever they want. But it's this hypocrisy of going abroad and uh, and sort of telling people about ice cream and cakes and this kind of... And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why are you patronising us? Why are you doing that? Why, you know, what, what's the purpose? Oh, picture of, uh, of, um, of the hidden tomb. The king's hidden chambers could be Nefertiti's resting place, which is nice, isn't it? And, uh, and, and a picture of Madonna, old woman, goes on stage. I mean, how old is she now? 70, 80, difficult to tell, but she's still wearing... I mean, she's 57... But uh, she's on 
stage wearing fishnet stockings. So funny to think the rest of the year she's there in her little plaid skirt and flat sandals and everything else and it's just this act when she goes on stage and makes you the fans wait because, you know, you're dodo birds, aren't you? It's easy to get your money out of you and then go, I'll come on stage when I'm ready. Got a complaint about it? Well, sod off like we care. And so they did, hundreds of them. Didn't make any difference to her. She just made a joke out of it because she's got your money. She's hinted. It's quarter... No, it's a bit later than quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Only a thought. Ten to uh, five. Ten to five. It's Friday morning. Doesn't matter, does it? Friday. I mean, who cares? Who cares about Friday morning? Nobody cares about it. Katie Price went to the races the other day. Normally it's the dogs, but she decided to go to the horses this time round, which was very exciting. And uh, somebody took a picture of her. Uh, she is the worst dressed woman. I don't think it would be possible to find anybody as badly dressed as poor Katie Price. And that dreary little handbag she uh, drags around with her. Oh, sorry, Kieran Haler. Uh, we don't really know what he does for a living. I don't think anybody's ever worked it out, but he just looks like a complete wreck. Seriously, a complete wreck. They can't be long for this world, can they? Really can't. But, uh, but the, uh, the worst thing was somebody has taken a picture at an underground station and they claim to have captured the ghost of Sir Winston Churchill. Well, good old Winnie died years ago, and there's no danger that he's going to be a ghost walking around any time soon, OK? Because it doesn't exist. There are no people walking around as ghosts. You cannot catch them on cameras. You cannot do anything at all. It's made up to provide Yvette Fielding with some sort of career, if career is the word that you can use. Uh, it's just a lot of old fraudulent people going, I wonder what that was. And they go, what was what? And they go, what was that? Where did that come from? You know, and that's the kind of thing they do on Most Haunted. Of course, it's probably one of her eyelashes dropping off onto the ground. It is the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen on the television. I'm amazed, actually. She could walk in anywhere, and uh, if they've got a film crew with them, amazingly, something always happens. You know, I don't know why the sceptics out there haven't actually fathomed this one out by now. That it's all a pile of old rubbish, and she's perpetuating it. Not so Not so good. And uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Tina says, uh, glimpsed St. Jamie on the news earlier. I thought he didn't look the healthiest, but he does preach. He does preach. Uh, well, he looked awful the other day. I was thinking perhaps he dyes his hair. Because his hair looks the worst I've ever seen. And bye. Missing you already. Thinking of being you for Halloween. <laughs> Miss you. Mean it. You know, all that usual sort of stuff. <laughs> I love it. Christopher Biggins used to say that. He'd say, miss you, mean it. <laughs> but when he does it, it sounds hilarious. Uh, 84850, uk. Why do they still keep putting that maidly bird in the papers? Oh, I don't know. Because she's so desperate for publicity. She never made it as anything at all. She she can't present. She's not tall enough to do anything. She's not bright enough. So she's... And she every time she had a relationship, she flogged it to OK Magazine. And we all started going, oh, put a zip in it, dear. Put a zip in it. It's become it's become quite tedious. And there again, she has become quite uh, quite tedious. And uh, I'm, I'm very sorry, says Karen, that I didn't miss your happy birthday yesterday. But uh, I hope that... Uh, uh, you'll accept my belated wishes. Oh, listen, it makes no difference. Makes no difference. Malcolm says, I was sad to hear about the death of Paul Daniels. Just as I was reading about the uh, sudden death of a local radio reporter, you may have known Steve Becker from Radio Lancashire. He died unexpectedly at the wheel of his car on Wednesday morning whilst on his way to cover a, a fracking hearing in Blackpool. See, it's that odd period of time. Oh, God, is that Chloe Maidley? You, when you see her tarted up with all the makeup on, she's half passable, but she's about as big as a light bulb. And she's really got no sex appeal whatsoever. I mean, absolutely nothing. She is the sort of... I've never met anybody who goes, oh, Chloe Maidley. You look at it. Look at the size of her feet. 
She's got the biggest feet you've ever seen. How unfeminine. But there again, when you are sort of, you know, that tiny. And she's posing here. She de- she post, uh, posted a defiant rant about rising above her critics. She posted, before you tell me how disgusting my body is, ask yourself, is this of a face of a girl in a weight section who gives a flying? She swears as well. She's quite common. And you remember, of course, she's done drugs and she's been a drink driver, convicted. So there you go. And it says, it doesn't matter whether Joan or John from Swindon likes her muscle. It's the size of her feet. Blimey. I mean, that's like, you know what they used to say, plates of meat. Feet. I mean, she really has got plates of meat. But the trouble is, she's just, she's just no, nobody. And, uh, and she's, she keeps writing rude words. There again, that's why her life is quite, quite miserable, really. But uh, her, her fearless rant, no, just foul-mouthed little, little tart, I'm afraid, that sort of thing, uh, proved that the 28-year-old star, she's not a star, she's just she's a nobody. Richard and Judy's daughter, that's, that's her only claim to fame. She's got nothing else claim to fame. And uh, when you look at her, you go, oh, dear bit ropey, isn't it? bit ropey. But never mind, dear. I'm sure that you're very happy in your delusions, which is lovely. Uh, the police force in the papers uh, today, they've handled 416 spooky calls. People who phoned up saying, oh, we've seen something spooky. As I say, generally drunks and people like that. Uh, also, Sinatra's son who died the other day at 72. It was a heart attack, which is what we uh, predicted. And fine for a court video. Another idiot who makes it into the record books. He was in court... He was up on charges. He decided to film it. I mean, yeah, and he's 40. They don't come any thicker, do they, really? We'll name and shame this morning on the programme and we'll name and shame just about everybody here, including uh, poor old uh, Wayne Rooney. I mean, he is the dimmest ever. So celebrating with mates, happy St. Patrick's Day, and then does the picture of the Ivory Coast flag. I mean, I know Sweet Cheeks, it looks similar, but it's the wrong one. You're not bright, are you, really? Here's poor old um, uh, Jordan, as I say, another ghastly outfit, and Kieran, who looks like... Perhaps she's cut his clothing budget, because uh, he can't dress for toffee. He really can't dress for toffee. It's uh, it's a bit of a shame, actually, but uh, she went there because she's got nothing to do. And uh, there's no work when, when she's not on Loose Women. She's got nothing. She hasn't uh, got anybody to write a book for at the moment. Um, so what are we going to call uh, Jamie Oliver's latest child? Because he's, uh, he's got them so far. He's got Poppy Honey, Daisy Boo, Petal Blossom and Buddy Bear. I'm assuming he's drinking more these days. I mean, where'd you get these stupid names from? It was bad enough with old uh, Bob Geldof's Heavenly Hirani Tiger Lily. Peaches, Pixie, dear God in heaven, what was the other one? They all had stupid names, didn't they? Everybody had stupid names. I don't think they get any more balmy than Poppy Honey, Daisy Boo and Petal Blossom. Poor kids, honestly. You wait till you grow up and discover your dad dyes his hair. <laughs> it's going to be dreadful. Oh, people were saying the other day, I quite liked it, I liked the idea, that when, when Paul Daniels died, there was a shooting star, which, you know, flashed across Surrey. And it was quite big, about the size of a double-decker bus, I'm told. Um... And uh, his son says that that was his exit. That was his exit from this world into there. Of course, they both occurred at different times, but never let it spoil a good story, because I quite like that idea. His old Prince uh, William, all smiles with the Irish guards in their busbies. 
wearing them here, their bare skins. And uh, instead of handing out the shamrock, uh, Kate decided to uh, disappear back home. Couldn't really be bothered. And it was far too tedious, so he did it. So it meant a male member of the royal family gave the Irish guards their honours for the first time in 115 years. She's quite clearly got no sense of tradition at all in the royal family and could be a bit of a thorn in the side. I'm sorry, 115 years, you do, you continue the tradition. Can't be bothered. Going back home to see the children. Oh, right. Apparently a spokesman for Kensington Palace, because she can't speak, uh, says Kate wanted to spend time with her children ahead of a trip to India and Bhutan next month, but looks forward to marking St Patrick's Day with the Irish Guards many times in the future. What a load of old codswallop, eh? What a load of old claptrap. She can't be bothered. But we're we're putting it down to the fact that she's off on another free... free, uh, Sorry, a, um, a, a state visit. She's going to Bhutan. And she's going to India, and that'll be lovely. Oh, right. So, so William's still not working, is he? And he's very involved with charity. Very involved. Saving animals. Saving the, uh, the mongoose and the letter, lesser-spotted dinosaur from extinction. But uh, OK to kill the old black bears. We don't, don't worry about them too much. And, uh, and also, uh, you know, family shoots. And, but, you know, uh, can't do much about that. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Sorry for being rubbish. Uh, the Adam Girl Hate Mob Torment. This is the uh, the website, which is in the papers today, set up in support of pervert footballer Adam Johnson by his sister, has now been reported to the judge who will sentence him. An appalled member of the public contacted the judge, claiming it was being used to abuse the 15-year-old victim. The schoolgirl's been branded every name under the sun, which I do not intend to repeat here. Other messages suggest things should be thrown over her and she should have face ripped off. Uh, he's been found guilty. He's a pervert. It's as simple as that. He was uh, he was playing around with a girl under the age of uh, 16. They're still waiting to sentence him, aren't they? Why are we still waiting? How much longer does this drag on for? Absolutely ridiculous. It, it should have happened uh, ages ago. Let's get him into prison and, uh, and, and be done with it. But mind you, talking of trolls, and uh, we're aware of who they are, uh, there's people here, they've attacked the parents of the two toddlers who drowned in a fish tank. Remember the two little two-year-olds? They fell in the fish tank. And trolls have demanded to know why they didn't prevent the deaths of the two-year-olds. And um, all sorts of things. They've been really quite vile. Well, as I say, the last woman who did that got doorstepped by Sky News. And, uh, and then was so horrified because, of course, she was caught out. She'd been abusing the McCanns in something like 5,000 emails. So... Uh, Brenda Leyland, was that the woman? That was the, the so-called churchgoer. Obviously not a very religious person at all, because once she'd been doorstepped and she suddenly realised she'd been caught out, she had to hold her hands up. And uh, she did. She took her own life as well at the end. And you have to say to yourself, listen, if somebody's going to send the filth that she sent, somebody somewhere's going to make you pay for it. Coming up to the news at five o'clock, dozy boy Wayne with the wrong flag. The strict new eating guidelines cakes off the menu, apparently, but you can get all these other foods in the high street, like the Kentucky and the burgers and the kebabs and the chips and the fish and all the rest of it, but you can't have sugar in your drinks. They're going to make you pay for it. So all you poor people addicted to it, you can blame Jamie Oliver. Uh, The tribute's pouring in for Paul Daniels. We'll have a little clip of an interview I did with him five years ago on LBC. If you haven't heard it, it's a really good interview, actually. I say that because the producer said to me it's a very good interview. Uh, Prince Harry says leaving the army left him a broken man. Makes me think it was all the bars he propped up. And uh, Prince Andrew will not be charged over the gates that he rammed into. Now, that would have been a case I'd have been interested in going to. But the police say, oh, no, 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 no case to answer. Oh, yeah, right. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen.
Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday, the 18th of March. You're probably still there with heavy head going, Ooh, Patrick's Day. It kind of exhausts me. They had Irish dancing and twicking and everything. Unfortunately, I was long since gone in bed. A friend of mine phoned me. She said, you're having a nice day? I said, very nice. She said, you've had a drink, haven't you? I said, well, I have to. It's my birthday. I'm allowed to. And then I became quite incoherent. And I've only just remembered what I had for tea yesterday. I bought some uh, some beef mince and I did it with... <laughs> that was disgusting, I realised. I did it with sliced mushrooms and two tins of beans. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's my version of let's just throw something into a pan and hope it works. And it tasted OK, actually. I had about four mouthfuls and that was about as much as I could manage. Anyway, that and the rest of the news happening between now and 6.30 this morning. Including Rebecca Adlington going out with her own photographer now. It's all becoming a little bit tedious, darling, and a little bit boring. Denmark is the happiest nation. Denmark is the happiest nation. I've been there. Miserable place. Miserable place. Nothing going on. I went to a place called Herning, uh, which is up in Jutland, uh, many, many years ago. Uh, the UK's a bit sadder, apparently. Well, I don't know. I'll to listen to this station. Uh, celebrity kids showing their gifts early. Because um, aren't we always told things? You know, how many times have you read in the paper, oh, Brooklyn Beckham is amazing as a photographer. Really? With what experience? Answer, none. You know, then the, the, the other time, he's a barista. No, he's not. In fact, actually, he doesn't actually do anything at all. They just keep trying to overhype it. Beckham, you know, Brooklyn, can you find something that you can do that mummy can talk about? Because then we want to look like the perfect family. OK, at the moment, we're looking a bit bozo-like. You know, because Daddy's had to have his account raided by mummy. Give me my money back. You know, for, for sort of propping up her business. Brooklyn, you know, doesn't do anything at all. Have you ever seen him with a camera around his neck? No. You ever seen him walking out with a camera? No. It's publicity. It's called a load of old spherical objects. Uh, Katie Price goes to the races because uh, nobody really talks about her anymore. She's had her day, but she did put her, her children up on Loose Women the other day. A few people have done that with their children. I don't know why she bothers. This is an eight-year-old called Princess Tiami, who, um, I mean... <laughs> I don't know, all the papers criticise it for putting her in makeup and stuff like that, but lots of little girls put makeup on. Uh, Junior, I believe, is the arrogant child. And at one point, I don't know when he was going to be filmed for Daddy's, uh, Daddy's video or something. It's all a bit peculiar. All these people are obsessed with the, with the, uh, the air of publicity. They like the celebrityism, And so, you know, and it can only end in tears. You know it can only end in tears. I've never known a family go through, you know, the amount that the Beckham children are put through and emerge the other end with any sort of saving grace. At some point, one of them's going to go off the rails. Even Paul Daniel's children went off the rails. One was done for drug dealing. Uh, one was done for something else. As usual, Debbie was there to try and calm the waters and, and get things uh, sorted out because that's what she does. She said, she said something very interesting, Debbie McGee, in one of the interviews I read this morning. She said uh, she tried... Not to ever let him see her crying. So she put her makeup on every day. And that's, that's the sort of person she is. Seriously, she's, uh, she said our life was a bit like a fairy tale. Because I think there was probably... They argued, if you watch the Louis Theroux thing, he could be quite difficult. There was no ways, that, you know, no two ways about it. I'm not, uh, I'm not sort of, you know, <laughs> trying to paint him in sort of a bad light in any way, shape or form. That's the way he was. After he was dropped by the, by the BBC, he, he, was, he was very, very angry. Because when you've been, you know, at the top of your profession and he'd been on wheel tappers and shunters, a lot of the papers got loads of things wrong. They said he was a regular. He was no more regular than lots of the other acts on there. He appeared on there, but he was certainly not regular every single week on wheel tappers and shunters. I've got him on uh, a few of the episodes. He was an unusualist. That's what he called himself, an unusualist. He, he, he sort of 
cross-fertilise comedy and magic. A bit like Tommy Cooper. A bit like Tommy Cooper. But the saving grace in Paul Daniels' life was Debbie McGee. She was there for him. He'd been married before. And, uh, and then he, he married her. And then it, she was just glam. She was glam. I've interviewed Debbie and I, I could uh, pass her in the street and have a long, long chat with her. And I sent her a message yesterday because she's a nice person. She is. She's just a nice person. There's nothing. You can't uh, you can't say any more about her. She's nice. And she was there for him right up until the end, which is what everybody would have expected of her. Anybody who, who, who knows Debbie McGee will will tell you that um, that that's what she would be there as he breathed his last. She would make sure that she wanted to be there. And uh, she said he didn't know. He didn't know that he was dying, uh, although he must have thought it was a bit strange with half the family turning up all of a sudden just to see him. But uh, she said he didn't know. And if that's what makes her better and if that sort of makes things easier for her, well, that's fine. But it was that line about, I didn't want him to ever see me crying. And so she's got lots of support. Seriously, she's got tons of friends, tons and tons of friends who will be there for her and, uh, and will help. She'll have her memories. She's got great memories, but it's not, uh, it's not the same, is it? as having uh, the person there. Uh, I did mention Cliff Mitchellmore as well. Actually, Dennis in Banbridge, it's very interesting, because Cliff Mitchellmore, who died the other day at the age of 96, uh, Libby Purvis has done a piece in one of the papers saying he could command audiences of 20 million. And I thought, but everything got audiences of 20 million because there was no other TV channels. There was nothing else on. Now it's diluted. You won't find any programme now getting 20 million. Unless I should imagine it would be the coverage of the death of the Queen or something like that. But the death of Philip wouldn't get 20 million. Diana's got huge coverage because that went around the world. But in the early days of Cliff Mitchellmore, when he was uh, recording and he was doing his uh, pieces to camera, 20 million was quite normal. Quite normal. Morecambe and Wise used to get 25 million. People say, wow, they don't get audiences like that now. And you go, yeah, because the <coughs> excuse me, there was no competition in the early days. Let me just have a... <sighs> There was no, no competition. So if you had a programme, and we only had the one channel, I believe. We had BBC One, wasn't it? And that was it. And, uh, and programmes would come on a bit ad hoc. But that's why they got 20 million. So that was that. Um, so I did mention Cliff Mitchellmore. Uh, he was great. I remember him so well, says Dennis, back in the times of black and white television. But I guess that's too far back for you. He said, uh, sympathy, he said, by the way, we had a great Paddy's Day. Don't be afraid, uh, af- afraid of offending anybody. We all call it Paddy's Day here. The sun shone and we had a fun day. So that's what it's about, isn't it? It's having fun. I don't like to because I can guarantee if I called it Paddy's Day, Dennis, I know that you all call it Paddy's Day. But if I was Irish, then I could probably call it Paddy's Day and, uh, and could get away with it. But uh, I remember once somebody complained, I think cause years and years ago, because I called it Paddy's Day. They went, it's St. Patrick's Day. And I felt like saying, oh, go away, for goodness sake, go and get a life somewhere. Uh, back on the uh, the roots, Warren is uh, is back in the land of the living. Well, sort of in the land of the living. We're not too sure if he's actually in the land of the living or if he's just, um, if he's just sort of arrived back from a, a long flight. He said, um, he said, I, I really uh, haven't been up at five o'clock in the morning uh, very often until tonight when he's back on the computer again for three hours back to the old ways. But uh, Paul Daniels, very sad, very sad, actually. It really was very sad. Uh, but we we knew it was going to happen, didn't we? We had it. Uh, we had it penciled in the diary, as they say. Uh, my old producer, Will, says, uh, I'm very sorry I missed your birthday. I've been asleep all day. Uh, Aunt Davis 
He says crazy about Paul Daniels and on your birthday as well. I shall always remember, always remember when he uh, when he passed on. And uh, my friend JK says, said, did you get anything nice for your birthday? And uh, I said, actually, all I wanted for my birthday was a cup of hot chocolate and a jigsaw. Although I got way more than that, way more than that, which was lovely. So it was nice. He actually came up with different suggestions of what people could buy me for my birthday, most of which are totally unrepeatable. So, uh, so I won't. And Warren just sent happy birthday greetings as well. It's nice, isn't it, when you share it with people? I thought, oh, sorry, I just nearly sat on one of my oranges. Uh, 84850, uk. Let's try and, um, try and get as many of your texts and uh, emails in on the, uh, the programme. Um, Sweetie Pie... Uh, could be a name for Jamie Oliver's little... I don't know, actually. <laughs> Kevin says, look on the bright side. Steve, Jordan went to the races and didn't expose herself. Thank God for that. I'm over Kate and William. No sense of duty, Steve. No sense of duty, says Pat. The Queen Mother always did it. Prince Andrew came to give medals to my grandson's regiment. He gave out 12, climbed back into his helicopter and was seen at Ascot races that afternoon. Oh, it's part-time for him, isn't it? Him and his dreary uh, daughters. <sighs> God... And, uh, Steve, one of the best things I've done is sign up to your podcast. I've not been well, but if I've missed the programme in the morning, I download it every day. It's good, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. It says, uh, my sister-in-law saw Madonna in concert at Wembley many years ago, came on stage with wet hair, proceeded to comb it for several minutes before a, before a note was sung. I just don't think she sort of... I don't think she bothers. I think she believe Again, it's these people who believe the publicity. They believe, oh, Madonna is this, and oh, she's the greatest thing since science... They all do it. They all fall for it every time. They believe what's written about them. They can do no wrong. That you can basically treat the fans like dirt. So you sit there for a few hours. I'm worth waiting for. That's a good. It's like, you know, people tuning in the radio here and going, right, seven o'clock in the morning. Nick Ferrari is. And they go, well, actually, he's not here yet. So you just like to, you know, twiddle your thumbs. And then it, it gets to be a little bit later. And, it, and and we're still sort of, you know, still waiting three hours later. Uh, is Nick Ferrari cut? Yeah, he'll be here in a minute. And you think, but he's supposed to start at seven. You know, he wouldn't be so rude as or unprofessional, whereas Madonna is both rude and unprofessional. I mean, who does she think she is? She's just a little popsicle singer. That's all she is. She's not descended from the Almighty. She's not come down from Mount Olympus with anybody else. She's just a popsicle singer. OK, get over yourself, love. Uh, Warren says, isn't it amazing they can put Rolf Harris in court again? However, Cliff Richard is still hanging around. Yes, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, mean, I don't know why they're wasting... I think they were hoping that loads of people were going to come out and say dreadful things about him. Whereas, in fact, all they're doing is coming out and saying dreadful things about the police for faffing around. You know, either sort of put up or shut up. People are now getting bored. Really, really bored. They just sort of go, ah, right, let's actually, uh, let's actually do this. And, uh, and we'll just make somebody wait. And you think, well... <sighs> What's he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Uh, a lot of you agreeing about Madonna. I'm absolutely right. She's just a little popsicle singer. Who cares? Nobody cares about her. Nobody's remotely interested. You know, if they're daft enough to uh, to sit there waiting for two and a half hours before she deems to walk onto, uh, onto stage, well, more fool them. More fool them. Like going to the West End and going to watch Crazy For You or any other show. And it's three hours late starting. You'd have walked out, wouldn't you? You'd have walked out ages and ages ago. Uh, right. Uh, some other stories. Oh, but guess, guess what? Jamie Oliver has uh, decided he wants to get women breastfeeding. 
He really is just sticking his nose into just about everything, isn't he, really, at the moment? Uh, who changes the baby's nappy at night? Apparently, modern dad. Modern dad does it. Uh, Our last days of laughter and ice cream in the garden by Paul Daniels' widow, Debbie. And uh, as I say, you'll, you'll enjoy hearing the, uh, the interview this morning. We'll play a little bit of it and then there'll be a little bit more to hear on Sunday morning. Uh, plus, the ladies are striking back in the battle over who sits where on the TV sofa. Now women presenters seize prime position. And so stupidly, they stuck Alex Jones on there, the world's worst presenter on television, with poor Matt Baker, who just, you know, you could just wheel him about the studio on casters. It wouldn't make any difference whether you pre-recorded his questions or not. Holly Willoughby and Pip Schofield did it, which was OK. But poor old Louise Minchin, she's stuck next to dreary old Dan Walker, and they've managed to get her. They obviously filmed the whole thing to find one picture where he's saying something and she looks as though she's glum. And they've, they've obviously really trawled to find it. And uh, she's previously lamented the lack of older women on television. Who's been told, stop waving your hands around? Answer coming up in a moment. It's quarter past five. The Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. Look at the team at seven this morning as a motorcyclist becomes the second person to be killed on Britain's most dangerous roundabout. How successful has a £25 million scheme designed to cut accidents been? US presidential hopeful Donald Trump is one of the top ten risks facing the planet and is a threat to the safety of the entire world, according to a new report. But how dangerous is he? And most Jews can't trust Labour, according to the voice of British Jewry. Are the left anti-Semitic? That's Nick and the team at breakfast this morning, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Paper reviewer Sarah Jane Mee, Sky News and Sky Sports presenter. Uh, so, who's the person on television who keeps waving their hands around? It's apparently Professor Mary Beard. She waves her hand around like a helicopter. And in a recent blog, uh, Jan Leeming identified Professor Beard as the worst offender of what she called gratuitous windmilling. Her presenting style, she declared, drove me nuts. You know, of course, that Jan Leeming is mad as a fruitcake. <laughs> mad as a fruitcake. And so, but it, it is people, I mean, Magnus Pike used to do it years ago. Jan will remember Magnus Pike, because he used to wave his arm, and all this, and, th- and they all did it. Everybody waved their hands around and, and sort of did, you know, mad things like that. It was because people then noticed you. And then people started exaggerating. If you notice that all the chefs on the television, they've got to do something. It's very rare to find somebody who actually goes on and cooks without doing things. We had Ainsley Harriet, you know, when he used to start talking about his giant pepper pot and make sort of reference. I, I wasn't sure what it was. Well, I knew exactly what he thought he was doing. Stupid man, honestly. You never believe that Ainsley Harriet used to be a comic, used to be a comedian. I can't believe however that happened. But uh, anyway, I remember seeing him being interviewed on the Des O'Connor show when they used to film up at Teddington. And I was watching it and he was so dull. He was so dull, but he used to wave his hands around a lot and sort of do all this kind of stuff. It became quite irritating, actually, to the point of real irritating. Real irritating. I do like the idea of trainers that lace themselves up. It's a brilliant idea. And uh, there's a sensor which registers your weight and the position of the foot. A series of tiny pulleys... Good God in heaven. Uh, ...contract the throat of the shoe tightly around the foot by winding thread around a battery-powered spool... And uh, two weeks on single charge. You've got to sh- you've got to charge it up through a port on the shoe. And uh, I mean, where on, what on earth are you going to do with this? Nike has unveiled them. Tiny screen just at the touch of a button. They claim that athletes who wear the Hyper Adapt 1.0 trainers will be more focused because they'll not have to worry about lacing their footwear. I couldn't even get down there to lace the footwear. 
Seriously, when, when you're carrying a little bit of a tummy, the last thing it can reach is your feet. Why I've got a chair in the, uh, in the shower? So much nicer. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Paul in Heathrow says, leave Madonna alone. Strike a pose. I mean, that was just so pretentious, wasn't it? You know, voguing. Remember when voguing was in? And that's where you just went, huh? Huh? Like that. And it was supposed to be. It was just awful. Dreadful. Isn't that what Marty McFly wore in Back to the Future? Self-lacing shoes. Really? Oh, I don't know. Does it say? I thought it said something on here, but uh, they say they were first seen in Back to the Future more than a quarter of a century ago. Now they've become a reality. Wow. But mind you, I mean, how much are they going to cost? I mean, you know, for self-lacing. In the early versions, users will be able to tighten and loosen laces by pressing a plus or minus button on the side of each shoe. You know, just for sheer novelty value. These are being made by um, Nike. My friend John will be very excited. Self-lacing trainers. Self-lacing trainers. I mean, it, it sounds a bit too good to be true, doesn't it, really? Uh, there's also the, the other inventions unveiled by Nike uh, include technology that prevents mud from sticking to the studs and soles of football boots. Wow. After being worn a couple of times, the shoe automatically adjusts to your preferred setting. Nike says later versions will be fully automatic. It's been in development since 2013. How exciting. I mean, it's quite exciting, isn't it, really? I didn't think they could actually come up with anything else in my lifetime that I, I would get reasonably excited about. Uh, and that I'm reasonably excited about. They'll, they'll, they'll probably come in at something ridiculous, like sort of, you know, <laughs> £600 or something like that. I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's a, a lovely picture of the Queen. She opened the Lion Enclosure. At London Zoo yesterday, one of the lions was sitting behind her, looking at her with great interest, thinking, I don't know, could I eat all of her? Just half of her. I don't know. How hungry am I? And uh, and it's quite nice, actually. This is the London Zoo land of the... Sorry, London Zoo's land of the lions exhibit. It's cost millions. It's cost millions. And uh, they all went there. The Queen, 89. I mean, I just ask you. 89. How How cool is she? Answer... Very cool. Oh, and the, the fireball. I missed it. I didn't see it. A lot of people were saying it was Paul Daniels passing over to the other side. Um, we don't know where this one came from. The guesses are, I'm thinking, it's either from Mars or the Moon. Because each day, I don't know if you're aware of this, but millions enter the atmosphere, these, these meteors, at up to 45 miles a second, and they just burn up. Only about 500 reach the ground. Uh, these hit people once... In 180 years. The last one was in 1954. Oh, it's a familiar year. Uh, in 2013, one burst into a fireball 30 times brighter than the sun over Russia. I like these meteors. There's a big crater out somewhere. Is it in Sudan? And it's something like 25 miles across. It's, and it's just absolutely... It could even be bigger, actually. And it's absolutely not... There's all sorts of things in Sudan. I've never felt the urge to go there, but I'm fascinated by what they've got. And this, this, this crater, the world's biggest crater, would have been from... A meteorite years ago crashing into it. Where it goes to, I don't know, because you thought if it crashed into it, it would sit at the bottom of the crater. Unless it just sort of burns up on entry and it just makes this huge hole. That's all, that's all I know about. I, I really don't know enough about, about meteorites. I'm just fascinated with the fact that they do come crashing into Earth. I mean, the, uh, the one I think I'm thinking about is uh, in South Africa, which is the uh, Vredifor Crater. I know they did it in South African accent, which made it sound very peculiar. The Vredivor Crater. Uh, also known as the Vredivor Dome, the Vredivor Crater has an estimated radius... Oh, my, it's even bigger than I thought. 118 miles. 
make it the world's largest known impact structure. And they reckon that the asteroid impact date was, put it in your diary, send it a card, two billion years ago. Two billion years ago. How can you even calculate that? There's one here. This is the Sunbury Basin. This is in Ontario. Sudbury. Oh, sorry, Sudbury. I do beg your pardon. New glasses. Actually, I bought some new reading glasses the other day. I'm a bit excited. They haven't, they haven't arrived yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is the largest impact structure on Earth. The diameter is 81 miles. They reckon it came down 1.8 billion years ago. But I've, I've, I found another one. Isn't it funny? You look at 1.8 billion, and that sounds quite good. The next one is 580 million years ago. This is the uh, Akraman crater in Australia. And this one here, it's now a lake. And uh, they say here it's got a diameter of 56 miles. Got another one here, which is the Woodley Crater. There's loads of these craters. They're all over the place. Seriously, check them out. Check it out. Check it out. And uh, they're, they're all about 145 up to a billion years ago. Isn't it love- I love stuff like that. Do you remember when Jacques Cousteau... Do you remember Jacques Cousteau, the man who... Um, used to go out and, and take us. Before we had David Attenborough, we had Jacques Cousteau, we had Armand and Michaela Dennis, uh, and they were people who introduced us to all sorts of nice things about uh, the wild. And Jacques Cousteau and his ship Calypso, in fact, John Denver, who was killed in a plane crash, uh, sang about Calypso. Calypso. I, Calypso, the places you've been to. Da, 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 da. And it was a really good song. And he would go underwater with his divers. And, of course, poor old... Um, Jacques Cousteau used to look like he needed ironing. His son still does it now. His son still does the same things, and I think it's on Calypso 2. And they went under the water, and they went to one lake where everything was dead. It was a completely dead lake, and I think it was Lake Tanganyika. Something like that. Whatever it was, it was like, all of a sudden, you just come across, there's a lake. And you think, where does it come from? Where does it come from? I always want to subscribe to Journey to the Centre of the Earth, where you go down an extinct volcano and you go down one of the boreholes, which goes down, one of the magma chairs, you go down and down and down, and you emerge the other end in a different world. Wouldn't ever happen, but it was quite fantastic. When I read, you know, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, I remember thinking, imagine you actually emerge through the other end, and there's dinosaurs and pterodactyls flying around, and you suddenly realise that most of the dinosaurs that we've seen pictures of bear no resemblance to what was around at the time at all. Ridiculous. Christine says, I'm fed up with listening. What year that Jules Verne did that one? I can't remember the year of it. It was something like about 18, 1862, 18, probably about 1864, I think, something like that. But, uh, and it was the, um, you remember the, the nephew, Axel? We've got somebody here called Axel. There's no, no relation at all. And they had a guide hands and they go into the, into the Icelandic volcano. And uh, it's wonderful, actually. It's uh, Jökull. I think that's April. I don't know. We'd have to ask Darren about that because he speaks Icelandic, so he'd, he's probably been down this volcano. And, uh, and it was really good. You should go. Seriously. And go and either, either get the film out uh, or, or read the book. Read the book. Uh, Warren had Samantha Fox on his flight the other day. Very small. Yes, she's tiny, isn't she? She is tiny. Her girlfriend died uh, a short while ago. Well, I say a short while ago. My memory's obviously going. If the Paul Daniels interview we're going to be playing you in a moment, uh, I couldn't remember as being seven years... Uh, sorry, five years ago. Five years ago. I mean, it just doesn't... Really does not seem possible. Does not seem possible. But uh, she, she's very, she died in August. That last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Amazing, really. Amazing, honestly. I don't like to report people's deaths. It's not very uh, not very nice, not very pleasant at all. More of your texts and emails coming up in a moment because LBC News Time is Leading Britain's Conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. 
I've just realised, if you go back in the LBC archives, I mean, I'm, I'm only repeating this because I've only just discovered, that uh, all of the In Conversations are archived, and I think we go back about seven years, and just looking at them in alphabetical order, we have got Omid Jalili, Pamela Stevenson, uh, Paul McKenna, Phil Daniels, uh, quite a lot of Phil Daniels, actually, Ralph Little, as well, who came in, Ray Winston, Richard E. Grant, I mean, God, it's amazing, actually, all the people, Ruthie Henschel, uh, Samantha Bond, uh, Rob Brydon came in. When, what year was that? Robin Cousins as well. Good, I've forgotten about these. Robson Green. God, my brother used to be so jealous. Every time Robson Green came in, he, I say to him, Robson Green's coming. He said, oh, he said, why are you interviewing me? He said, you don't know anything about fishing. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, I can learn about fishing. But uh, first on In Conversation this week, and I make no apologies for replaying this interview, which I did about uh, five years ago. Uh, I'd remembered that we'd done, actually, Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. Uh, this was a, a Paul Daniels exclusive. As you know, he died the other day. He had a, a brain tumour. Uh, I met him on numerous occasions, not just here, but socially as well. I'd met him out at things. He was, you know, one of those people, if you meet magicians and you, uh, and you know magicians, they're passionate about what they do. They absolutely love the magic. I got, you know, turned on to magic a long, long time ago when I was uh, a young lad and sent off for the Davenport catalogue, who was still based in London, still run by, uh, by Betty and Fergus. And I remember sending off for it and then sending off my first couple of tricks, uh, two of which I still have from, well, it was a long time ago, let's put it that way. And, uh, and I then became hooked on it. And uh, I put my shows on at the Magic Circle now for a number of years and uh, very successful they've been. When we did the one-man show... Uh, I used to use uh, a very clever man, a very, very clever man, to do magic. I thought, you know, people would enjoy seeing magic and, and also somebody making predictions, which was, uh, which was very good. So we did that. Uh, never got round to actually introducing Paul Daniels on stage, but when he came in to have the chat with us, it was, it was a wonderful chat, as indeed they always were, because if you talk to somebody who's got the same interests you have, you can't, you can't fail, can you? One of the many fascinating things he told me about was how he turned magic into his life's work. I turned professional when I was 30, which is, I suppose, quite late. And, yes, you were uh, doing the, the clubs. I started... Well, I sort of... When I left the army, I, I went doing the clubs with my brother, but mm. then he went off to uni, so I, I stopped doing the clubs. And then a guy called Billy Highgate won some award on children's television, the Stubby K Award. And, and but he, he wasn't old enough to drive. So <laughs> for two years, I slept him around the clubs and I did an act as well. And he lives in Florida now. I think he's some biggy-wiggy in the cruising business. And, uh, and so I just, um, I dropped out again. But then Peter Casson, the hypnotist... Yeah offered me a summer season in Newquay and I was 30 and I thought, well, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And my life has just got better and better and better. And the absolute pinnacle? Here we are, folks, on the Steve <laughs> Allen <laughs> Show. Yes. Yeah. Where would we be without a laugh? Here. <laughs> <laughs> so is the advice the same to people who, who want to do magic, kids who want to do it? Because they, they, you know, the, the young magicians are sort of quite thriving out there and some of them are very, very good. Mm. Ve technically, they're very, very brilliant. Whereas I know people even of my age were rubbish, including me. 
But I, but I just, I love watching it. I love being I'm sorry, called. was I supposed to come in and Yes, argue? you were supposed to say something, but argue. you didn't. Yes, and I, I did was... leave the one-second oh, pause. I, I noticed. Well, you see, had I been the lovely Debbie McGee, you'd have known that that was your opportunity <laughs> to jump in and go, actually, Debbie's very good. <laughs> but Debbie is. Yeah, but, she is very good. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is very good. Um, no, uh, my... <laughs> people think this is funny, but the, the, the number one advice I give to young, up-and-coming acts of all kind is never leave your money in the dressing room. And, and people think, what? What's that going to do with anything? Well, you go into show business and you learn. You never leave your money in the dressing room. Mm, yes. But in terms of what to do, I always say, don't don't go to the conventions and buy the latest magic tricks. I say, I, you know, I know you do. I but I, I say, look in the ancient books and magazines and say, wow, that's a good trick. And nobody else will be doing it. Yes, yes. Uh, and that that's great. If you've got your own gear... It's true, actually. It's it's a very good chat. It's uh, it's not just a chat, you know, about magic. It's about people trying to get into the business. And uh, when you consider he was working up until Christmas, was Paul, and he liked talking about magic. It was as simple as that. He, You could sit down and talk to him. I mean, he, he and I used to disagree on the fact that if I went to conventions, and I used to go every year to the International Magic Convention, and I've been to Blackpool and places like that, and that's where there's thousands of magicians and there's lots of dealers from around the world. And uh, and I tend to I tend to buy things. I, I couldn't come back from an international magic convention without a big carrier bag full of stuff that I'd bought. People people demonstrating tricks, and I'm I'm what's called the mug punter. That's what they call us in the business. It's people who will buy something after being shown a demonstration. And my friend Darren used to say to people, show 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 Steve that 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 trick, knowing I'd buy it. Because I and I and so I've got bagfuls, 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 trunkfuls at home of magic. Uh, very expensive books, not very expensive books. Collectible books, collectible magic. The more you spend on magic, I thought, you know, the less chance there was of somebody else having that effect, and you could perfect it yourself. And, and then I suddenly realised that there's quite a lot of magicians out there with quite a lot of money. So we talk about that with Paul Daniels. On Sunday, and I expect you to be there for it, because it's a five-year-old interview, but it sounds like we did it the other week. It seriously does. I'll also be talking to a feminist author who published her first novel nearly 50 years ago, and she's had well over 30 more since then. In fact, she tells me exactly how many she's had. Her latest book is called Before the War, and she says it's about how pretty girls flourish while plain girls don't, and how it isn't fair. So I asked Faye Weldon what first inspired her to start writing. It was never my ambition to write novels. My ambition was just to pay the rent. Um, you know, so I had a job in advertising because I had a baby to support, no one else to do it. Then you realise, as you are a woman in an entirely male universe, and it's, it's you're surrounded by men who, who, who will say to you, you mustn't take promotion because that is taking bread out of a man's mouth. And you think, but, you know, I have to feed a family too. What about my mouth? And, and you become, get a bit indignant. So you, well, I started writing television plays um, about women and very few people wrote anything about women mm. because women were sort of, in those days, a long time ago, were, were indeed the second sex. Television and advertising, fortunately, were, were very new industries, so they didn't have the same prejudices. So I, I started writing television commercials and then realised there's not much difference between writing, writing a play and writing a commercial, except the commercial is about a product. And the, the, the drama is about ideas. You're just selling ideas but using exactly the same processes or the same methods or you know how to do it. So you, 
you sell ideas instead of instead of product. And how, then how? then I found I could do it. And if you find you can do something, there's a great impulse to go on doing it. And then you find people will pay you for it. There's even greater impulse. And then you get very interested in what you're doing. And you go on and write plays and you write radio and all sorts of stuff. And then you realize that actually if you write novels, you're in control of the situation. You can put the expression on the actor's faces that you want. You can put the design in that you want. Mm. So you do the whole thing. This is a name and a half she is. That's Faye Weldon. She's uh, heading up to her 90s now, heading up to her 90s. The latest book is called Before the War, and you can hear her talking to me about it this coming Sunday morning, as well as my wonderful chat with the late Paul Daniels, which dates back five years. We've trawled the archives for that one. So in conversation on Sunday morning from five until six, then it's repeated on Sunday night at nine o'clock, and there's the podcast available as well. If you get the free LBC podcast app, just go to the LBC website. It's a very interesting... I was, it was interesting listening back. I don't uh, generally listen back to my uh, interviews, but I should be listening back to uh, to Paul Daniels just to find it. We always... There was some point during every interview I ever did with Paul Daniels where he'd go, no, 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 Steve. It's not right. And I used, to, I used to have to take it on the chin because he was the expert. He was the man who made, uh, who made a very good living out of magic as well. And our thoughts are with Debbie McGee. And I hope she appreciates the fact that uh, it's a great interview. She's given lots of interviews to all the papers today, talking about how she was with him up until the very last moment. But as I said before, that's exactly what you would expect of Debbie McGee. Uh, I got lots of birthday wishes yesterday, including one from uh, lovely Scott and the Dame. We now call her the Dame. Yes, Barbara gets the Damehood, which is lovely. So uh, it's nice to know that they were there as well. Super people, super people. Uh, I will tell you about these poor pub quiz champions. I feel a bit sorry for them, really, because it's uh, this is Nick Mepham. It's probably, I don't think you pronounce it like that, actually. I think there's another pronunciation. Uh, Norman Hewan and Graham Deves uh, were asked to stop entering these pub quizzes in this particular pub. And the landlord said, he don't, I don't want you anymore because nobody's coming to play quizzes. And the reason nobody's coming to play quizzes is because, um, is because you keep winning. They didn't lose. They competed under the name Storming Norman. They started entering the two-pound-a-person quiz on the Monday night. So far, they won 11 times. They pocket a £40 bar tab each time. Uh, one of the guys from Luton says, it's totally unfair. We turned up at the pub to take part and were told we were banned. They said it was because we keep winning. But that's not true. We're often head-to-head with another team, and we certainly didn't win it every week. In our eyes, we're making it more competitive. I mean, I agree. But the trouble is, because if they don't win it, somebody else wins it. So why were they not barred? You know, it doesn't really make any sense. Anyway, they did get uh, the £1,600 jackpot in a playoff held every six months between top three teams. But uh, one of the guys says, you know, the other teams that take part in the quiz are younger than us, and we were referred to as the old boys. We're going to speak to a solicitor about it. Oh, my God, it started getting a bit nasty. I wonder, actually, whether they've got a leg to... I was trying to... Th- I thought about it this morning for about five seconds. And um, and I was thinking, I wonder if they've got a leg to stand on that a pub can ban them. I mean, unless that pub has laid down rules saying if you win more than three times, you'll be asked to not compete. But if there are no rules, or they're they weren't aware of the rules, well, then I don't think the landlord's got a leg to stand on because it's discrimination. It's discrimination. And uh, the pub landlord, Adrian Bell, claimed the team were winning the weekly prize two or three times a month and he was not picking on them for being old. We were getting grumblings from other people about their constant winning and the attendance numbers started going down. People thought they were professional quizgoers. 
Well, they are. They just do quizzes. They're professional quizzes. They like things like that. Some people do stamps, and some people, Adrian, do quizzes. When I spoke to them, we suggested it might be healthy for the quiz if they took a break. When they wrote complaining, they mentioned how some of the staff had described them as old boys. Anyway, said, I've, I've put a lot of time, effort and money into the pub for people to hear music, come and have a drink. I'm proud of it. I'd never do anything to upset anybody. If they go and seek legal advice and, it, and you have, have found to have discriminated against them, because it could be seen, as I said, if, if there are no rules set out, mostly all these pub quizzes, people turn up and they go, OK, you, you paid your two pounds, that's six pounds from you. And then they come around and give you a piece of paper and then you start filling in the answers. My brother does a quiz in our family every Christmas. There's no getting away from it. Seriously. Seriously, if you think you're coming to our family for Christmas and we're not doing a quiz, he spends ages doing it. And so he'll sit down there and go, I'm going to play you a little bit of music. And we all have to sit. We're all put into teams. Seriously. It fills me with horror every year. Every year I go, do we have to do the quiz? Yes, he says. Yes, we have to do the quiz. And so we all do it. And his, uh, his daughters have got used to it. And his girlfriends got used to it. And her family have got used to it. So now we all play in the quiz. And it becomes a bit competitive. Because sometimes he'll, 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 sort of, he'll sort of... What does he put down? Oh, we had silhouettes of people. Famous people last time around. And you've got to try and guess. Well, I mean, honestly, I, by the time you've had Christmas lunch, and it's always a case of, you know, I try and drag the Christmas lunch out a bit so we have less time for quizzing. But he always goes, right, we'll have pudding and then we're ready for the quiz. Said with such glee. You know, the rest of us go, oh, good. That'll be nice, won't it? So I can understand how these, how these boys feel because they're winning a bit of money. But if the landlord has not put up rules and distributed them, saying, if you win too much, I might ask you not to compete, it's a pub. You can't stop people coming in unless they've been abusive or there's, there's been trouble. And they haven't. They're just successful. But there again, would you turn off the fruit machine if somebody started winning too much on the fruit machine? If somebody came in every week and played the fruit machine and won the jackpot of 40 quid or whatever, would you then go, I'm sorry, we're not allowing you to play anymore? Because I don't think you could do that. I think that's called discrimination. So they might have a they might have a good case just after quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Text eight four eight five zero. It is. It is. It's ten to six. It's nice to have you company. Welcome to Friday. I hope you're uh, you're looking forward to the week. I'm looking forward to the weekend. I look forward to any weekend. I look forward to every day. Not a day I do not look forward to. Next week we've got coming. It should be an interesting one. Boy George is coming in. Next week for an in conversation. <laughs> Not too sure whether I should sort of be wearing a suit of armour for this one. He's uh, he's coming in. Miriam Margulies. Do you remember the last time Miriam came in? She bared her bosom in the uh, in the studio. But I'm dying to talk to her again. I've not spoken to her for for many a long year, so I'm looking forward to catching up a little bit. Uh, Christine says, fed up listening to Jamie Oliver reading his recipe books. He doesn't take his own advice. Well, it's very this this story. Ab- apart from the sugar the other day and the soft drinks and Jamie leaping up and down like he's sort of you know he's sort of invented taking away sugar or putting a tax on it because it comes down to the government. Um, and then miraculously turned up in Parliament Square. He said he was passing through like you do, like you do. I wonder whether or not he'd had a tip-off about it. But then if you go to America and Australia, he's publicising cakes and everything else. So obviously he's not taking his own advice. It's like perhaps he thinks we're a bit simple in this country. Or perhaps he thinks that we're all, you know, vastly overweight and it's to do with sugary drinks. Well, I'm overweight and I don't drink sugary drinks. I've never drunk sugary drinks. And the truth of the matter is, it's all the fast food places. Why did he not start on those? Why did he not start on those? Why did he not sort of go round to all the uh, the fast food places and go, listen, it's you. You're the ones who are opening. You know, the pizza places, the kebab shops, everything near schools. 
you know, fish and chip shops, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's all right in moderation, all this stuff, but people, some people, have it every single day. And so why didn't he do that? You know, why don't they have somebody standing outside Kentucky Fried Chicken? If somebody fat goes in, go, sorry, not for you, OK? There's a salad bar next door. You know, that's what he should have done. Why are you hitting out at sort of totally faceless people? I don't know who makes the, uh, makes the sugar and then sells it onto the manufacturers. I just know that they're putting the price up and you'll pay for it. So, of course, if you're loaded on minted, like he is, it's not going to make any difference at all, is it? You watch. I guarantee you, at some point, the press will be looking out for one of his kids drinking a, drinking a sugary drink. <laughs> by the, by, by the, the way that they do things, it would absolutely, absolutely be the case, wouldn't it, really? Uh, Peter in Glasgow says the first person in the queue for the self-lacing Nikes has got to be Wayne Rooney. Uh, Jamie thinks that Gemma Collins uh, could buy the self-lacing trainers as she's unable to tie... Uh, a lace. Uh, and then somebody says, Nick Ferrari called you an old man yesterday. Yes, well, don't worry. I've electrified his chair in the office. He won't be getting out of it for the programme anytime soon. Uh, Tony says, have you ever interviewed anybody you weren't keen on? No. No. They always, they always ask me who I want to talk to. They always ask me. And, uh, and I either say yes or no. And I would have said about a year ago, I would have said no to Boy George, but he's about to hit in America again. So I thought that could make it an interesting conversation. And also because, generally speaking, he's been a bit mouthy. I'm looking forward to something like that. A bit of a spa. I quite like that. And uh, the, uh, that line, Steve, what first attracted you to the millionaire Paul Daniels, said Mrs Merton to Debbie McGee. Yeah, it was, it was a great, uh, great line. She came up with some very, very good things. Uh, <laughs> uh, of all the things you've collected over the years, like teddy bears, what do you do with them? Uh, and where do you store them? Well, I don't have hundreds of these things. I, I'm a very selective collector. Very selective collector. And, uh, and I collect things. I did go through a, a period of stife. A friend of mine had phoned me up and said, oh, there's so-and-so stife thing. And I go, oh, OK, we'll buy it. And I bought a couple of... Um, Books from America, which have cost, you know, the best part of 500, 500 pounds, which doesn't seem very much, but they're all worth more money now than they were when I bought them. So that's good. I did like the story. And I, I first heard it when uh, when Darren did it overnight. It's colourful phrases, you know, and the one being it's brass monkeys outside. And uh, what, what, what it means, it's freezing. For, for those people who don't know, it's freezing. The origin, cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey... Apparently, a ship's cannonballs used to be stacked on a brass structure called a monkey. The brass would contract in cold weather and the cannonballs would fall off. So there you get brass monkeys outside. Did you know that? I never knew that at all. Um, Another one here, Sweet Fanny Adams, which is sort of generally referred to. It means nothing at all. You know, what's so-and-so? Oh, Sweet Fanny Adams. I don't hear people using that anymore. But uh, Fanny Adams was the eight-year-old victim of a murder in 1867. Her body was cut into pieces and thrown into the river in Surrey. A ballad about the killing referred to her as sweet, and it later became a term in British naval slang, or jack-speak, to refer to an unpalatable stew. Sweet Fanny Adams. So there you go, so she got immortalised. Haven't seen you in donkey's years. Which means haven't seen you in a long time. Donkey's longevity. Uh, Some die in their 60s, or Cockney rhyming slang. Donkey's ears. Years. I don't know why they didn't use the word ears. Seems a bit pointless, Cockney rhyming slang, doesn't it? When people use four words where one will do. Uh, Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. 
meaning to achieve something with great ease. See, I, I mean, I've heard that one quite a lot of times. And it was uh, Robert Gascoigne Cecil, Lord Salisbury, who made Arthur Balfour Chief Secretary of Ireland to the surprise of observers. Arthur Balfour was Bob's nephew. So, Bob's your uncle. Uh, skeleton in the cupboard, something embarrassing to hide. You know, ooh, he's got skeletons in the cupboard, hasn't he? Ooh, she's got skeletons in the cupboard. And that was uh, until the 1830s. It was illegal, to, as you know, to dissect human bodies. So what they did, the medical schools and the doctors had to buy them from grave robbers. So in other words, they used to have... And you can go around some cemeteries. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. In, uh, in the city of London, just past Tower... Uh, bridge, is it Tower Bridge? No, but just by the Tower of London. And there's a couple of uh, inner city graveyards and they've got little huts in them. Stone huts where the man used to sit there to stop people grave robbing. Somebody would be buried, you know, early evening and the grave robbers would be around digging them up. Selling them to the doctors. And William Thackeray, the writer of Vanity Fair, used the phrase for the first time in 1845. So they used to hide. The, and so the, the doctors needed to take bodies apart. Very difficult thing to do. I like the mad as a hatter. That's to be completely insane. Uh, which was uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries. Mercury was used by hat makers who were poisoned by the chemical. I thought I'd swallowed mercury some years ago. I, rem- I remember I was, I was ill at school and they, uh, they, they took my temperature. And for some reason, you know, they'd say, I haven't done it for years now. They'd, in fact, I don't even think they do that anymore. They stuck the thermometer under your tongue. They said, just leave it there. Because that was apparently where you actually, uh, you know, sort of got, got the temperature from. And I remember it broke. And I went, oh, it's broken. And I took the piece of glass out. And, um, and, the, and, the, and the nurse at school got quite panicky. Have you swallowed any mercury? And I don't know. I just know it's broken. Of course, we used to cheat. We used to put the... Uh, the moment she went out the room, you'd take the thermometer out and put it on the radiator to heat it up a little bit. So when she'd come back, she'd go, Oh, my God! They'd always give you a couple of days off school for that one. Uh, mad as a Hatter explanation uh, could be what inspired the character of the Mad Hatter in Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. The Mad... Do you know, I haven't read that book for ages and ages. There was a, a film version, wasn't there, of Alice in Wonderland with a very nice theme tune. And it was, a, it was choir boys from some school or something singing about uh, Alice, which was lovely. It was really, really great. Uh, what else do we have in the paper? Oh, I did mention that Denmark is the happiest nation. I wonder why. Is that because they don't see anybody? Is that probably because they don't see anybody? Uh, the UK's a little sadder, which is a, which is a shame. Because I thought we were fairly happy as a nation, aren't we? We don't actually, we don't smile at people very often, do we? Oh, there was a woman the other day. I glared, I tutted, I did everything. She's sitting under four signs saying, do not use your phone, and she's chatting away on it in another language, so I assume that maybe she probably couldn't read, and uh, everybody else was glaring at Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. I wanted to pull a button, and then, you know, she would disappear underneath the train. And uh, in her interview yesterday, Debbie McGee says Paul Daniels wasn't a millionaire when she met him. Well, he wouldn't have been. He hadn't started his, uh, his big career at that time. Television is the one that made him rich. Television definitely, uh, definitely made him rich. Uh, I like Jamie Oliver, says CJ, but he's not a nutritionist or medically qualified. So why are the government listening to him as opposed to the experts? Oh, who knows? Therefore, they're frightened not to. They listened to Camilla, didn't they, from Kids' Company. So they obviously listen to anybody, really, nowadays. I'm sorry, sugar's very bad for you. Oh, well, like Jamie Oliver. Do you want Jamie Oliver around for tea? OK, I'll, I'll, I'll put that forward in the budget. We'll, we'll sort of put a tax on sugar, but uh, we won't put a tax on, uh, on the shop selling chips and uh, fried chicken and fried burgers and anything else. We'll just do it on sugar. Uh, so that'll affect people abroad, so that's great. And uh, we'll put a tax on it, and then uh, that'll be good, and we'll all lose weight. Load of old codswallop, isn't it? Biggest pile of rubbish I've ever heard in my entire life. You're right. He's not a nutritionist. 
He's just he's just an Essex boy. Yeah, do this, do that, get a bit of breastfeeding in, do a bit of that, have another kid. You know, loads of money, loads of money, brilliant. And that's it. He's just preaching to us. That's all it is. Rebecca Adlington. Oh, sorry, bored already. Really can't do it. Uh, Katie Price goes to the... Oh, sorry, really can't do that one either. Uh, Prince William putting on another one of these ridiculous uniforms to hand out shamrocks. 165 years, isn't it? And the wife couldn't be bothered. Need to go back and see the children. How long did it take out of your day, Poppet? Really not very long at all. Uh, M- Madonna couldn't be bothered to turn up for the show. Two and a half hours late, hundreds of people walked out. Uh, the ex-British soldier fighting ISIS hit all the papers a short while ago. He turns out to be a rapist on the run. He's been sentenced to seven years in prison. Uh, strict new guidelines, cakes off the menu. Not for Jamie Oliver. He's OK. And uh, the ladies strike back on who sits on what side of the settee. It's a ridiculous argument. It's LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the 18th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have you come. I hope you are well this morning. I only mention I hope you are well because there'll be stories in the papers today that will have you going, oh, the Nefertiti story, which I brought you at the beginning of the programme. The reason it's back in the papers again is because they found two rooms. There are two chambers behind the tomb of Tutankhamun. What they've got to decide now is because the walls are plastered and painted is how they remove the plaster without spoiling the paintings and try and get into the rooms, which might contain nothing at all apart from, well, they don't know. They really don't know. It'd be interesting to find out if she is buried there, isn't it? Uh, The trainers that lace themselves, we like this. Wayne Rooney's going to get the first pair. I say that cruelly, of course, because he might not be, but as he tweeted a picture of, uh, of what he thought was the Irish flag the other day, it turned out that it wasn't. It was the West African state, and he didn't know because he's not bright. We've said before, footballers are not supposed to be bright. The tribute's pouring in for Paul Daniels, and so they should. I mean, everybody's done nice things. I think everybody's sympathy is with Debbie McGee. She's a really nice person. Honestly, she was with him at the end. She went with him through thick and thin. She appeared with him. She's, uh, she's good in her own right. She's a nice person. She'll get lots and lots of support. The Captain Bird's Eye teleads are coming back. Do you think it's with the same Captain Bird's Eye? Or do you think they'll have found somebody new? Because I didn't realise, but Captain Bird's Eye, in, in the first ones, it was a stick-on beard. I was a bit disappointed. I wanted it to be a real beard. But then I've been fooled before, generally about Christmas time. So if they're bringing them back, they've obviously decided they need something to boost the fortunes of the uh, of the company. For Sinatra's son who died, Frank Sinatra Jr., it was a heart attack. Uh, he was 72, just before he was uh, going to go out singing his father's classics. In fact, he looked a little... It's funny how, isn't it, the children of the famous sometimes look like the famous... But uh, there was a very good book written about Frank Sinatra, his links to the Mafia and all that kind of stuff. Kitty Kelly wrote it. And, of course, there were always links about how on earth he managed to get himself into films and everything else. What sort of relationship did he have with Ava Gardner? Fascinating. I did see him live. I did see Sinatra live. It was, it was not the best experience. It was, it was great because it was Sinatra. And I can look back now and say I saw Frank Sinatra singing live when he came to London and did the Docklands. And it was lots of people sitting on basically wooden-type benches. You know, it wasn't, wasn't the best seating I've ever seen. People done up to the nines to see Sinatra singing with an orchestra conducted by Frank Sinatra Jr., I remember at the time. And then he forget all the words to all his songs were on screens around because he came out. It was a hell of a long walk from, from obviously, the dressing rooms to the middle of this uh, vast arena. But it was still Frank Sinatra. 
I mean, there's not many people who could say they've actually seen him live. Uh, the ladies are really not happy at the moment. They think that if they're sitting on the wrong side of the screen, that means that they are second on the programme. So a few of them yesterday, just to sort of stir it up a bit more, started uh, changing round. And of course, it just looks silly. It just looks silly. It's like, you know, uh, would, would you ever get deck and ant? No, it's ant and deck. It doesn't mean that ant is better than deck. It's just the way it sounds. Morecambe and wise. It wouldn't have sounded the same. Wise and Morecambe. It just, it just doesn't sound right. So all these double acts. And that's why whenever you get them on the television. Somebody said that there was a, an argument yesterday with Charlie State. Uh, Nazamancheri, which I, I find very unusual because, I mean, he's the most easygoing person you'll ever meet in the entire world. I don't think they, they're allowed to argue on those programmes, although I personally would quite enjoy one. And um, <clears throat> other one here, Busman's Holiday. Uh, bus drivers were responsible for the welfare of their horses. So when they had an annual one-week holiday, they used to ride the buses to make sure the relief driver treated the horses well, says Ron. Well, there you go. Well, I never knew that one, actually. I quite like those. Phil says there's an Alice in Wonderland exhibition at the British Library. Um, uh, another one here. A lot of people talking about these. This is obviously something that you uh, you got into with, with Darren Adam this morning and obviously enjoyed it very, uh, very well. Uh, Charlotte says all mothers should breastfeed. Well, that's exactly what uh, St. Jamie Oliver is now saying to us. Canonised by the Pope, I should imagine, within a month. I mean, he's coming up with everything now. And his wife's pregnant again, so they can have another child. Betty Bottom or something. I don't know. They'll think of some crackpot name for it. They always do, don't they? So uh, so here we go. So here's, uh, here's Jamie Oliver. And uh, very quick to make a celebratory song and dance about George Osborne's new sugar tax after the, uh, the TV chef's endless tub-thumping for healthier children's food. So, um, but really, is uh, Jamie Oliver's support for the Chancellor's healthy levy on sugary food really so pucker? Down under, clean-living Jamie is the face of the supermarket chain Woolworths, where his recipes for Australian households are hardly health-conscious. One of his Easter recipes promoted on Woolworths' website is a fat and sugar-laden hot-cross bun ice cream sandwich. Hardly any calories, I should imagine, Jamie. Hardly any. This serves uh, of the calorific concoction. They reckon here it's got one teaspoonful of chocolate and hazelnut spread, 12 and a half grams of dark chocolate and a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Hardly going to help Australians cook more fresh food from scratch, as Oliver trilled when he announced the no doubt lucrative partnership in 2013. Uh, so interestingly enough here... Uh, nor will the chef's recipes on his own website for holiday citrus slushies, which have 23 grams of sugar. Or gammon cooked in four litres of teeth-rotting Coca-Cola. Coke has around 2.5 teaspoons of sugar per 100 millilitres, meaning Jamie's recipe uses 100 teaspoons of sugar. Osb I mean, it's a bit naughty, isn't it? So here is a picture of Jamie Oliver eating a hot cross bun with ice cream in it. And so, you know, all this baloney on the television here about, yeah, so we've got the sugar increase. No, all he's done is successfully put up the price of fizzy drinks for people who, you know, lots of people are overweight and they don't drink fizzy drinks. There's far more other stuff out there, but of course he doesn't bother with that, does he? Perhaps he should do a thing about Woolworths in Australia, you know, selling sugar and doing everything else. Has he done that? No, because he's trousering the money. That's how it works. He's welcomed this, uh, this stuff on Instagram. I mean, a serving of uh, Jamie Oliver's ginger and treacle cake with ice cream contains ten times the amount of sugar taxed in the lower band. I mean, come on. Sheer hypocrisy. 
Sheer hypocrisy. But he's being paid money, he's trousering it, and he's hoping that you didn't see it. But, of course, the newspapers leap on stuff like that. They absolutely love it. So one minute telling us, oh, yes, you must, you must not have sugar in this, and, you know, behaving like he's a nutritionist, whereas, in fact, he's just a bloke who cooks on the television who's a bit sort of mockney, isn't he? Oh, mate, yeah, chuck it in here, chuck it in here. Don't get me wrong, I think it's great. But, you know, don't one minute preach to us and then the next minute trouser money over in Australia for plugging recipes which are absolutely filled with sugar. It makes it, uh, it, makes it hypocritical. And it makes you look like a bit of a bozo, I'm afraid. Uh, so we had the, the wife who stood by the hooker romp doctor. Lovely. Another picture of the hooker. Sorry, escort. No, no difference, really. She was booked for sex. I don't know why they call them escorts. Does it make it sound a bit better? Does it take it, make it sound classier if somebody says, oh, I've just booked an escort as opposed to I've just booked a prostitute? Is there a difference? I don't think so. Uh, lots of people talking about Paul Daniels. Farewell to the legend. He, uh, he passed away yesterday. Typical, isn't it? My birthday, Paul Daniels passes away. I mean, I ask you. So we trawled the archives and we found that, uh, that interview from five years ago that I did. In fact, you'll find Debbie McGee and Paul on there together, which is lovely. Adore both of them. And so this Sunday morning for In Conversation, you'll hear Paul Daniels from an interview from five years ago. And we talk magic. We talk how he started. We encapsulate everything. It's a, it's a really good, even though I say it myself, it's a very, very good interview. And I hope that uh, uh, he'll be remembered with, uh, with kindness. There were certain things that popped up in his life that, you know, people really didn't want to go into. He had a few problems with the kids and everything else. Uh, Nick didn't call you old, Steve. It was James. <gasps> Did he really? Really? J- James O'Brien? goodness, you wait till I, I shall tweet him later on today. Um, somebody, Lynn says, while shopping yesterday in the village high street, there was yet another funeral being filmed in the local church. Uh, as it always is, an episode of EastEnders. Whose funeral would that be? Would that be Peggy's funeral? Would that be Peggy's funeral in EastEnders? I don't know. I don't keep up with it. As far as I'm concerned, Barbara's Barbara. You know, the, the, the Peggy character I think we lost ages and ages ago. Love her to pieces. And Scott. Uh, Ian says, you really do make my day. Which is good. Uh, it was a thing a while ago for there to be a McCartney and Lennon. Yeah, Lennon and McCartney sounded better. It's, it's just the way it goes, doesn't it? I don't, I don't really think you could ever sort of change things. So, you know, let, let's, let's just leave it. And let's stop faffing around with things. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, another one here uh, says, uh, I was going to get something to eat healthily uh, in Sainsbury's in Sheen. And Jamie Oliver was getting, uh, getting fish, shouting, get some fish, which is quite good. Fish is very good for you, isn't it? Very, very good. Roland says, a friend of mine swallowed some mercury. He says, in the summer, he's six foot seven inches tall. In the winter months, he's five foot four. It's an old gang. Thank you very much indeed. But at least it raises a smile. At least it raises a smile at you. If, you. if you can't have a smile at this time of the morning, what is the point, ladies and gentlemen? Even if you're feeling ill and you've got painful back and, you, oh, this and that, you it doesn't matter, does it, really? Because if you can laugh over a thermometer joke, there's, there's got to be hope for just about everybody. Uh, Trevor says, um, our, our quiz team was... Uh, oh, I'll read that in a minute. He says, uh, we started winning every week. Prize was two bottles of wine. When the landlord found out we didn't drink... He changed the price in our honour to two oven-ready chickens. That's quite nice, isn't it? Quite nice. But this is the quiz team who've been, uh, who've been dropped uh, and not allowed to, uh, to compete. Uh, Howard says, with boy George coming in next week for an interview, make sure you don't get... Yes. Uh, thank you. All the old gags are going to come out this morning. I can just tell, actually. I'm going to Bath, says Jane in Bristol, on the bus. How lovely. If you were doing it on the train, I'd, uh, I'd like you even more. 
6.15 is the time. El- Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Friday, 18th of March, 6.20. I know you don't want to be reminded of it, but it is the weekend, so at least you can go to work with a smile on you. I always bounce out of bed, bed quicker on the Friday than I do on the Thursday. Although yesterday I did bounce out of bed early, because I thought, you better do it, Steve, it's your birthday. Uh, Patrice says, I read that Vera Lynn will be 99 this coming Sunday. I know, the last time I saw Vera Lynn, she was at, um, I think it was the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall. And uh, so 99. Whew, blimey. That's some going, some going. Kelvin McKenzie talking about the, the feminist, uh, who he says is a fraud, Nona Buckley Irvin. This is the one who is a feminist and yet goes to the dinner at the LSE where the women are separated by... They might have just had separate dinners. What's the point of that? I've never heard of that before. Are they now saying that Muslim men and women don't sit together? But of course they do. I've seen programmes on the television people sit together. I've seen loads of people who are Muslim. I mean, what sort of people are they? You know, does this woman believe in the burqa? Does she believe in separation? Does she believe in non-equal rights for women? She's supposed to be a feminist. Obviously, as he says here, a bit of a fraud. But uh, it is, I've never heard of such a thing. Perhaps he just did it as some sort of joke. Why would the women want to put up with that? Oh, bra- drag the curtain down, girls, come on. Bring yourself back into the real world, please, please, please. Uh, what else in the papers? Not flicks in the UK. We just get half of the US titles. And uh, Adam Johnson is so terrified of being attacked in prison, he's to pay for protection. Don't be so stupid, honestly. He's set to end up in one of the toughest jails. Well, it's got Ian Huntley in there and um, Levi Belfield. They don't have protection, do they? Protection in prison? What are you talking about, you silly man? Anyway, he feels he'll be a target for fans of rivals Newcastle United, as well as those who hate paedophiles. Really? Well, yeah, can't help feeling, mate. Self-inflicted. You know, why should we worry about you? I couldn't care less. Once you're inside, though, they can slam the door on you. I'm really not bothered. Uh, the Sun tax is a fat lot of good. George Osborne's fizzy drinks, drinks tax was branded absurd cobblers last night, which is what I said the moment I heard of it. The only person who can afford to, to drink this stuff now are people with money. People like Jamie Oliver, who's currently flogging sugar-laden uh, recipes in Australia. I mean, you know, hypocrite or what? The Daily Mirror... I can't believe we're still doing Cheltenham, are we? <gasps> God in heaven. It's, it's, it's got to be really... I think it's been nicknamed, uh, uh, not Cheltenham, but uh, Chavitum, isn't it? Or something like that. Because it's just full of really awful people. I mean, if Jordan turns up the other day with her dreary husband, what does he do? You know, you know it's bad news. And the best you get in the royals is Princess Anne and her daughter. God, uh... Uh, Debbie McGee's tribute to Paul, my magical final hours with Paul. He spent the last 48 hours uh, sleeping and then passed away yesterday. Uh, there is an open rebellion, the Mirror tell us, in the Tory party against George Osborne's ruthless raid on benefits for disabled people. It's that and people who, who don't want to, you know, not drink fizzy drinks. Why should they have to pay more for it? Just because Jamie Oliver is not a nutritionist. He's just a bloke who cooks on the television. That's all it is. And cooks badly in Australia. Uh, Ruse Paddy Days, the Daily Star running with, of course they had to. This is poor old Wayne Rooney, who's, uh, who really is intellectually challenged. He couldn't find the Irish flag, so he puts up the Ivory Coast flag. Admittedly, I mean, you know, come on. There is, you know, there is a similarity. They're both using orange, white and green. You know, it's, a, it's an easy mistake if you're a little bit dim. Uh, the Express on their front page this morning. It's all Chelter. I've lost the will to live, actually, when it comes to horse racing. Although I did think yesterday that uh, Claire Balding looked very smart. She always looks smart at the races. You get these other people who dress up looking like the dog's dinner. I mean, there's some real ghastly... I think people see an outfit and go, oh, that's the one I'll wear. 
And you think, have you worked out whether it suits you? These ridiculous hats that they've turned up. It's Cheltenham, for God's sake. Cheltenham. Ugh, ghastly. The people who go there, you know, footballers who wee in glasses. That's the sort of people it attracts. Luckily, they banned them, so that's good news. Uh, millions of sufferers told paracetamol doesn't eat the, ease the pain. I liked that tablet. I say like the tablet. You know, you're supposed to take them for three days. But if ever I got a pain, cocodamol was something. And somebody said, oh, that's the stronger version, which I think is a combination of paracetamols and, and other bits and pieces. Because codeine, isn't it? I never know what this stuff is. I just know that if you've got a headache, rubbing your earlobes makes it stop. That seems really ridiculous, doesn't it? But I tried it with a friend of mine the other day. He said, oh, I've got a headache, Steve. I said, play with your earlobes. And I think it's a pressure point for acupuncture. I think. I might be wrong on that. But it always works for me. If you rub your earlobes, eventually the headache goes away. But then you have to ask, would it have gone away if you hadn't been rubbing your earlobes? I don't know. Try it now yourself. Uh, so paracetamol doesn't ease the pain. Try telling all the chemists that. They'll be going, shut up, shut up. We need to sell paracetamol. And uh, the Tory war over the coffee cup tax. And uh, suggestions that disposable coffee cups should be taxed like throwaway shopping bags ignited a row between ministers last night. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm bored with this buying a bag and not buying a bag and then throwing a coffee cup away and recycling this and don't have sugar. What a mamby-pamby country we are. What a mamby-pamby country. It's really got bad. They've done that on the front of the Metro. And another bun in the oven for Jamie. Hope he's not got sugar on, Jamie. That would be dreadful, wouldn't it? And so they're thinking levies on plastic bags and fizzy drinks, and now it could be coffee cups as well. So you'll have to pay... I mean, as if, you know, a cup of coffee in these places was not expensive as it is. It's all terribly expensive, isn't it? Frothy milk. But there again, I suppose, if you're not paying any tax, or not as much tax as you should be paying, and doesn't really really make... Uh, somebody says Jamie Oliver is a trained nutritionist. Is he? Check on that one for me. Uh, we're just going to have a check on that one and find out. And um, uh, I suspect uh, you're wrong. I suspect you're wrong. Of course, you don't have to be a trained nutritionist to know that sugar's bad for you. That doesn't uh, doesn't really affect anybody, does it, nowadays? But uh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, apparently, Steve, it's because prayers were being said at the meeting. That's why people separated. Well, then the moment the meeting is down, Peter, you pull the curtain off. Don't be so silly. Don't be so silly. Grow up. Uh, I bounced out of bed this morning, which is good. I like people to bounce out of bed every single morning, which is good. Um, do you think that uh, Cheryl will be lined up for any in-conversation soon, says Martin? Shouldn't think so. I'm looking for people who can actually string two words together, or at least three words together. <laughs> Go for anybody's words together. Uh, front of the Daily Telegraph, the Tory rebellion on the welfare cuts. There's a picture of uh, St. Angelina Jolie. She's a Hollywood actress, not great actress, of course, and um, and uh, the UN refugee agency envoy visits migrants who've landed in Europe on the Greek island of Lesbos. That's what you need, isn't it, really? Uh, Jamie Oliver's studying for a degree, so he's got proper knowledge, proper knowledge. He previously said uh, it would be a shocker. Uh, this was in, oh, it's only 2014. Well, he's not qualified already, has he? My God, that's a bit fast, isn't it? By anybody's standards. What's it? Can you just scroll down a bit? He says he'd be previously shocked if any of his four children earned a place at university, but he's embraced education. Is he only 39? Is he really? Must be 40 now, mustn't he, really? But, uh, so anyway, so he's, uh, he's, he's going, he's, he's encouraged his children to skip their homework, and he's studying food, nu- food nutrition at St Mary's in Twickenham. In Twickenham? I've never seen him in Twickenham. Good grief. Unlike other undergraduates, he doesn't attend lectures. His tutors go to him. Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? It really shows what you've got. You've got loads of money. 
You can get people to turn up for you, which is always good news. Uh, front page of The Independent, Osborne doesn't have to worry, but I do. And this is Hugh Thompson Slater, who's got cerebral palsy. Fears that the changes to the disability allowance will mean he can't afford to replace his wheelchair. It's just one disaster after another, isn't it? Uh, Debbie on Paul, we were so happy at the end. He never saw me cry. And that's uh, that to be applauded. Uh, the Shamrock awarded. One man couldn't stop yawning. And so they've got an Irish guardsman here who's so tired. Also, um, William's wife couldn't really be bothered to turn up after 116 years. She's not been doing it for 160 odd years. Queen Mother's done it and everybody else. But she couldn't be bothered. She wanted to go home and see the children. So that's put up with Prince William, which was very sweet. Uh, Britain's worst social housing chief. Salaries of £350,000. Good God. That's even more than they get for running the entertainment side of the BBC. Cut the noise or pay the neighbours. 580,000 aerodrome told. Kay and Toss Daly apparently been complaining about the noise. And, um... Oh, no, it's not them, actually. It's not them. This is the couple who claim that the local aerodrome put paid to the sale of their £4 million home to Tess Daly. Uh, they've won a high court victory after the judge said the noise was excruciating. They're quite noisy helicopters, aren't they? I do quite like them. I find them slightly frightening. Slightly frightening. Listen, just about it for this morning. Thank you so much indeed. I'll be here tomorrow morning with the best of Steve Allen. And that's between 5 and 7am, just before breakfast. And I'm here on Sunday morning with In Conversation. It's a tribute to Paul Daniels. And uh, we've also got uh, Faye in as well. That'll be nice. So uh, so she'll be here and Paul Daniels, the tribute. It's an interview that we did five years ago on LBC. So it'll be uh, it'll be really nice. And I've only heard a little bit of it, but uh, really, really good. So Faye Weldon here with her new book. She's, as I say, heading into her 90s. And happy birthday to Dame Vera Lynn for Sunday. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. You can listen to LBC if you download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen.